The following is an exclusive presentation of Pirate Radio Digital Media. Brought to you by Brown and Wood, Buick GMC, Cadillac and Mazda. Hey Pirate Nation, this is Tom Brown from Brown and Wood Buick GMC Truck. We've been serving the Pirate Nation in Eastern North Carolina for 83 years. We have four brands, three generations, two showrooms, and one goal to make sure you leave a happy customer. We're located on Greenville Boulevard next to the Convention Center or shop us online at brownandwoodauto.com. The following is an exclusive presentation of Pirate Radio, the voice of the Pirate Nation. Welcome to Pirate Radio Live. You can paint this with purple. Now live from the Pirate Radio studios in the heart of the Pirate Nation, here is your host, Clip Brock. Hello and welcome into a Thursday edition of Pirate Radio Live. Clip Brock here with you inside the Pirate Radio studios and you can check us out today on pirate radio 92.7 fm in greenville 104.1 in washington you can find us on 1250 9 30 we're also live online pr927fm.com and you can watch the show on facebook live and on youtube and you can chime in there and give your thoughts questions comments concerns birthdays anniversaries on facebook live and be a part of the show you can also give us a call 317-1250 and uh, comment on YouTube as well. Be a part of the show. Be a part of the chat. We really enjoy uh, your participation during game days on the Bud Light pregame tailgate. And the U.S. Sailor fifth quarter call-in show will be back with you Saturday, 2 o'clock. Leading you up to the 6 o'clock kickoff and after the game on the U.S. Sailor fifth quarter call-in show. Robert Matthews is first in today. He says, Caliper! Calipari. Good reaction time, Shirley. Sorry. (laughs) I thought that I I had pulled the the pot up and it was off. Anyway. Best in the business. Chandler Honeycutt's here as well. Shut up. I feel like I never roast Shirley. It's like. You it's don't. A, it's a dangerous game. It is a dangerous <laughs> game. You got to be careful. Because, uh, you know, if you, if it's like the old saying goes, you bite, I bite back. <laughs> oh, they're showing a beautiful picture on NFL Network of FedEx Field. Mm. Completely uh, empty. Currently, well, that's what it looked like tonight, too. Uh, no poop running through the stands at the moment, so that's a that's good sign. That's an upgrade from last week. <laughs> yeah, they've made some, uh, made some improvements. That's great improvement in the last four or five days. It might uh, be the last time I wear this stupid hat this year if they lose tonight uh to the new york giants we'll i that. actually saw a washington football team hat yesterday that i actually considered picking up for you but so then this I is a new it. hat yes this was, would have been a new hat so i was gonna say is it a redskins or a washington no, football this one team? it literally just says washington but it's in the red and gold i have debated getting one i've looked at a lot of them i've thought about it i've put it in my cart i've just never uh never pulled the uh what was i gonna say pulled the trigger on it pulled the trigger is the uh phrase i was looking for maybe i will at some point if they rattle off a few wins in a row but right now i cannot uh, I just can't give any money to Dan Snyder. Just can't do it. <laughs> and uh, more on that in a moment. In the past where I've given money to Dan Snyder. 
uh but we will start folks with east carolina football as the pirates are 10 point underdogs still i gotta imagine that the majority of bettors are betting on marshall i would think but the number still sits at 10 so maybe maybe that's a good sign that uh vegas and folks who somehow know a lot more about this than we do think this will be a uh, maybe a one score game a closer game uh i got marshall by a couple of scores uh as we sit here on this thursday maybe my opinion could change one way or the other last week my opinion was somehow east carolina is going to beat south carolina and by the time we got to kickoff my thought was east carolina is going to beat south carolina by 14 points and i was riding high for the first 28 and a half minutes of that game and then the end of the second quarter happened and then the second half happened and we all know the result that happened uh this week i'm feeling a uh, a marshall win by a couple of scores but uh we got time to change my opinion on that we'll get uh, some predictions here we'll see what ronnie well i didn't even set up the show yet uh, i was I? gonna say but knowing me you probably could have done it and I i'm distracted known. i'm very distracted i got a game I, I feel like if your nfl team is playing you should not have to work that day now i get sundays off so it works out that way yeah I but agree. if my team plays on a thursday or monday it should kind of be a personal holiday where you don't have to work you agree with that i, I agree do, we not, do agree? we not agree i mean i got how am i supposed to focus on this stuff when i got uh, a well, game coming i disagree up because i mean when's the last time like the dolphins have played on a monday or a thursday night sorry you get sundays off Shirley. you got to be here every when week you're up. a team like the washington football team that gets a prime time game when you're in the nfc east baby you get those games <sighs> you get those us games. panther and dolphins don't get as much prime time that is true and uh yeah so anyway what was i saying oh yeah let's set up the show we had uh everything you need to know about marshall's 2-0 start coming up in about 15 minutes with steve cotton the play-by-play voice of the herd at 345 ish we'll check in with jeff nadu the big man on campus and talk about tonight's matchup between uh the football team and the giants also what else he likes week two of the nfl at four o'clock it'll be ronnie woodward from the daily reflector breaking down east carolina and marshall and also uh rick smith joins us on today's show as he'll uh join us in five at five o'clock defense played well last week so we have a, a lot of good things to say about the defense we'll get his thoughts on ecu struggling offense as well can't uh, wait to see rick smith thought you were going to chime in oh no no chime i in. was doing the rick smith <laughs> okay pause i understand I, I know what you were doing there all right let's get to the rundown today uh before we do steve hill says hanaki hanaki now people are just like chiming in for shirley to play sound bites basically i you know what and i'm gonna be (laughs) how about last night sports trivia aj mcmurphy's (laughs) oh no a sight to behold i had not seen malcolm gray hide nor hair in over a month probably a couple months and he rolls in uh, mid-game, and the first thing he says when he walks through the door is, "Can you be quiet, please? Thank you." It was a great moment. It was. And boy, did we special. have a belly laugh. <laughs> oh, we had a good old belly. Even igloo. <laughs> Brad says Daniel Jones will be four and one against Washington after tonight. Uh, I will tell you about that stat coming up momentarily. But first, on the Pirates, 
uh donnie kirkpatrick spoke on wednesday ecu offensive coordinator and he talked about the struggling offense holton nailers mason garcia first uh let's hear uh cut to shirley from donnie k as he was asked about holton nailers performance so far this season well, that has been the whole point of emphasis, that, you know, play like that every week, which I don't know if you can play like that every week or not. Some of that's circumstantial. Some of that's got to do with the defense. A lot of that's got to do with the players around you as well. Again, it was very close game one to, to doing a pretty good pretty good game. I mean, like I say, it's not a statistical game to the coaches. I know it is to the world because that's how you can measure or whatever. Does it's just win the game or you don't win the game. You know, but, you know, game one, he threw for right at 300 yards, and, and he threw four touchdowns. We should, the two they took back, he earned those. You know what I'm saying? So you, you can't do anything about that. Uh, now, Saturday, we didn't get those opportunities. He didn't. There were some things he could have surely done better. You know what I'm saying? He'd be the first to say that. I think he's already said that. we got to help him a little bit. we got to play better around him. Right now, I think we get something going, and then – he, okay, he makes, a, he makes one bad throw. For example, the game started out, we score on the first play, everybody's good, okay. Uh, we get it back, two plays, don't, don't do a lot. We have a third down, we have a guy wide open, he does a great job, makes a check, he gets pressure, he steps up, makes a high throw. Now, the receiver didn't probably judge the ball very well, could have helped him a little bit. Sometimes, you know, the, those guys can, can help you out a little bit. Come out the next series, we pop a couple runs, we move it, we're already down there, kind of almost to the red zone. We throw a great route, unbelievable route. He hits it dead. He throws a dime. Kid drops the ball. So he's made one bad throw. Now the guys drop the ball the next time. That's a scoring opportunity. You know, it was just like that the whole game. Made a bad decision here. You know, will you pay for it because nobody's erasing those mistakes right now. So uh, when you're playing good people, you can't make those mistakes. But it's a typewriter effect. It's this guy. It's this guy. It's him. It's definitely him. Okay. But it's just, it's not just him. You know what I'm saying? I know everybody wants to – it'd be nice if you could just say, okay, we can just move that piece out, everything's good. If that was that easy, we'd already done that. All right, Donnie Kirkpatrick there on Holden Naylor. Some of it's on him, some of it is not. He was also asked about Mason Garcia, his progress, the likelihood we see him in a game. This is cut seven, Charlie. Well, I think Mason's doing good. You know, we had Coach Shore, who, you know, was GA with me and helps out and played quarterback for me. We're talking uh, last night about – well, how much better he is and how far he's come. You know, somebody else asked me, did you think about putting Mason in the game? I was like, we were winning the game. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing, win the game. Nobody's going to take the starting quarterback out when you're winning the game the whole game. It looked like we were going to maybe blow them out, you know, for most of the game. So that's not the time to make the change. There could come that time. Now, I think that Mason's getting – ready to go. He's ready to go. I mean, he didn't, he didn't think he's not ready. And I don't know that it's, he's not ready. I just think Holton's still the better player right now. All right, there's Donnie Kirkpatrick. Uh, he's going with the, the Mike Houston line. Holton Aylers gives him the best chance to win. Listen, I know angry fans don't want to hear that. There's no way you can force Donnie Kirkpatrick to say what you want him to say or what you want to be told. If you hear that Mason Garcia is doing well, and has progressed from a year ago, you're probably screaming right now, well, why is he not going in the game? I don't know. You heard it from the offensive coordinator. You've heard it from the head coach. They're rolling with Aylers right now, and that's the way it is going to be, apparently. He did say there's a day when – and Mike Houston said there's a day when Mason's the starter on this team. Donnie says there's a day where maybe he does come in. Uh, maybe it happens sooner than later, but 
uh that's that's from the horse's mouth right there donnie kirkpatrick and mike houston earlier this week on the quarterback situation uh with east carolina all right thursday night football um and i want to do this briefly they had a um article on espn today about (laughs) they ranked washington's last 30 starting quarterbacks and you want to talk about a hilarious miserable read shirley i'm going to uh i'm going to text you a quote i want you to read it i think if it comes from a friendly female voice maybe it'll go over better uh than my voice but um all right i want you to read the quote in the uh the middle paragraph here because uh santana moss talked about the uh playing with john beck john beck was actually on the dolphins i don't know if you remember him shirley but he sucked the name sounded familiar but i did not know he played for the dolphins i paid my hard-earned money to go to a washington game to see john beck start at quarterback and it was absolutely brutal and it still irks me to this day um but anyway they ranked all the uh the 30 quarterbacks shirley let me know when you receive that text Okay. I want you to read uh, Santana Moss's quote about playing with uh, with John Beck. Um, it has been brutal. Now Taylor Heineke is the guy for Washington. He's on one side. Daniel Jones, the fumble king, is on the other side. Should be an ugly one tonight, but a very important game for both of these teams as one of them is going to start 0-2, one of them is going to start 0-1 in the division. I Actually, you read that article on ESPN. I read an article on the belief they have in New York in Daniel Jones simply because of the way he carries himself on the golf course and the competitiveness he has. The golf fr- course? Oh, it was a – it was just <laughs> – I, I laughed. And it was just, you know, from top to bottom in the organization, how hey, how much they believe in Daniel Jones and how much th- that – We all have some th- – That he's in there for the long term. They, they compared it to Eli Manning because apparently it, when Eli started with the New York Giants, went off to a slow start – but they just had this mindset that this guy is going to get us there. Yeah, and and Eli did and won two Super Bowls. But can Daniel Jones do that? I'm not sure. No, I think she has the quote ready. Oh, you ready, Charlie? Yeah. All right, go ahead. Uh, just the quote, right? Just you read just, the, like, uh, the second paragraph there with Santana Moss. Okay. He thought he was going to be the guy. Former receiver Santana Moss said he sucked ass. I won't lie to you. I broke my hand and didn't play the final two games with him. Nothing better could have happened to me because I didn't have to play with this guy. You talk all this stuff in the offseason and lay this egg. This is a guy that was happy he broke his hand just so he wouldn't have to play with John Beck because he sucked ass. And by the way, John Beck was like 20th on the list. There were guys way worse than him on that list of 30 quarterbacks. It was not. It's not fun. It has been miserable. Has it been 30 quarterbacks? Well, it just did the last 30, and it was since the early 90s. Since uh, Mark Rippon, since they won a Super Bowl, probably, because like Heath Schuler, John Freeze, Rich Gannon were on there. They were early to mid-90s, so it was dating back to there and going all the way up through the old McNabb, Jeff George, a.k.a. George Jeff. Georgie. We don't need to do this show. Well, you know I what? Do this. We don't need to do this show. The The list of quarterbacks is starting to pile up for the Panthers. When you don't have that franchise guy, it's not a good situation. Man, Jonah. and I'm starting to see that now. 
I mean, because, I mean, for the first seven, eight years of my fandom in Carolina, I only knew Cam Newton. I knew Derek Anderson for a few games for coming in for uh, Cam Newton when he had a car crash that got him out for a couple of games. But then, since then, I have seen four quarterbacks, five quarterbacks. I've seen Taylor Heineke. 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 I've seen um, Heineke. Kyle Allen. I have Ugh. seen Teddy Bridgewater. And now I am seeing, uh, I've seen Will Greer. I have seen P.J. Wa- uh, Walker. And now we have Sam, um, Sam Darnold, who hopefully can become this franchise quarterback that we have not seen since Cam Newton. All right, quick look at the bug scoreboard. We got to take a break. Also, Robert wants to hear um, Fernando Fry, Jeff Charles, real quick, Shirley, if you could pull that up. Any chance you could do that? Uh, quick look at the Bucks scoreboard. The Angels have put a touchdown on the board. They lead the White Sox seven to nothing in the fourth inning. It is Oakland two, Kansas City two, and the third inning bases juiced for the A's. And right now, the Reds trying to salvage their their series against the Pirates. They are in a wild card race. Have a one nothing lead in the eighth inning over the Pittsburgh Pirates. Coming up at five oh five, Yankees and Baltimore. Did the Braves ever get going? They were supposed to play earlier today. They were in a delay, and they currently have been postponed. So, no Braves Rockies. I do have the Fernando Fry interview. Let's hit it before we go to break. Fernando, when you guys rewatched the app game, kind of what were the the big takeaways for the offense? Um, (laughs) I mean, I think we left a lot out there. All right, the request line is open. Uh, There's a lot of corrections. That's enough. That's enough. We just had to hear that. Come on, he's got like five or six more Ric Flairs in there. Woo! Ric Flair! When we return, we will hear, oh, by the way, uh, thanks to the Buccaneer Music Hall, Uh, For the scoreboard, coming up tonight will be scoreboard watching as Washington takes on the Giants. We'll have that one for you on Pirate Radio. The only college football game tonight is Ohio and Louisiana. Louisiana, a 20-point favorite in that contest at home against the Bobcats. All right, let's Buck. Thank you. Buck. We will take a timeout when we return. Steve Cotton joins us. He's the play-by-play voice of the Marshall Thundering Herd. We'll talk about their 2-0 start when we return after this. Listening to Hour One of Pirate Radio Live. This hour is brought to you by University PC Care, your local tech support experts for all your personal and business needs. Visit universitypccare.com to learn more today. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. University PC Care has been Pirate Nation's go to IT expert since 2006. University PC Care are the local tech support experts for any of your business needs. Let University PC Care take care of it so you can take care of business. Visit universitypccare.com to learn more today. Now let's head back in to Pirate Radio Live. Here is your host, Clip Braun. All right, let's get the Marshall perspective from Saturday's football game. East Carolina and Marshall going at at 6 o'clock on Facebook. Steve Cotton is the play-by-play voice of the Thundering Herd. The Herd out to a 2-0 start after whooping Navy and doing the same against North Carolina Central. And now they face the Pirates. We'll talk about it with Steve Cotton as he joins us once again here on Pirate Radio. Steve, we appreciate your time. How are you doing today? Doing well, and glad that uh, even though it's delayed by a year, Marshall and East Carolina's rivalry finally resumes. 
It has been a a really fun series, a series that the fans like. It seems like uh, of recent times that when Marshall comes here, the Pirates have gotten the better of the herd. When ECU travels to Huntington, uh, Marshall uh, has had the better of the Pirates. And right now, Marshall, uh, a favorite heading into this game on Saturday with a 2-0 record. Pirates come in 0-2. And and I guess that's the way you want to start, Steve. Uh, As a first-year head coach, you get two wins under your belt in in convincing fashion. 93-17, the combined scores for Marshall's uh, first two wins and things going good early on in the uh, the Charles Huff era, it appears. They are, but <laughs> there's a big caveat there. You still worry that it could be a little bit of fool's gold because Navy is obviously struggling right now, is not the Navy that you expect to see in recent times under Ken Niamatololo. So uh, they're struggling. And then the game against North Carolina Central last week, we will learn much more about what Marshall has and what Marshall is right now Saturday and then next Thursday night when Marshall plays at Appalachian State. Those will tell the truth much more than those first two games did. Yeah, really intrigued uh, by that App State game coming up next week. We saw them in the season opener, and they, as you know, Steve, a very good uh, football team. Uh, and and not to, to start with the negative here, but you threw in that big butt. It is crazy to see the amount of times Marshall has put the ball on the ground and, and the interceptions, the turnovers, and yet they have still blown out this competition. So that, that could come back to bite Marshall at some point if they don't clean that up. But, Steve, uh, that, that's, a, that's a bit of an oddity to have all those fumbles, those interceptions, yet still blow out your opponents. It is, and that's exactly the point Coach Huff has been making to his team, the offense, that, hey, we were dominating two games. Those two teams really didn't have a chance. But if you do that kind of thing, Marshall fumbled four times against Navy and three against North Carolina Central and only lost one of those in each game, but has thrown four interceptions. And in a tight game, that's what costs the team. So. He really wants to see that part cleaned up. And I, I think you uh, will probably see that over the course of the season. Now, any one game, it can still be a problem. But Grant Wells, the uh, it's weird to call him an experienced quarterback because you look at the roster and he's listed as a freshman. But he's a COVID freshman and was last year's first team All-Conference USA quarterback and the Conference Freshman of the Year. So even though he's a, a freshman on the roster card, he's really not. And he, he is a uh, pretty reliable guy. And I'm sure he has been as hard on himself about having thrown three interceptions already personally as anybody else has been on him. So at some point, I believe Marshall will get that cleaned up. One pick last week, but three touchdowns for Grant Wells. And you will take 34 of 48 uh, every week if you can get it. Uh, what makes Grant Wells uh, such a talented quarterback, Steve? What does he do well? He does not seem like a young player. And again, you have the, the year of eligibility is one thing. But even when he showed up as a mid-year high school graduate, went through spring ball a year that he redshirted and didn't play at all, he seemed like an older guy. He's matured beyond his years, and he's uh, you know 6'2 or better, over 200 pounds, has a strong arm. He can make every throw, and he also is not a roller coaster guy. Makes a great play, claps his hands, comes to the sideline, makes a bad play, kind of hits himself in the head, comes to the sideline, and it's over. He's moved on. So 
So that has been his trademark, a guy who uh, seems mature beyond his years. Now, he and the entire team is really, and in some ways, the coach is not going to accept this as an excuse. But you can understand some of those problems because Marshall is playing hyperspeed now, and that's a new thing. The uh, herd ran 101 plays against North Carolina Central. Wow. When you played Navy, Navy held the football for over 40 minutes, even though it only scored seven points. But Marshall, in that game, its plays per minute time of possession led the nation, and then you had 101 plays last week. So that is a new style. It's exciting for the fans, but you could probably have predicted that there would be some hiccups early in the season. Talking to Steve Cotton, play-by-play voice of the Marshall Thundering Herd. Something that jumped out to me uh, with the box score, Steve, in the last matchup with North Carolina Central, you had six players uh, who got carries outside of Grant Wells, and the carries were pretty split. And then, good grief, you had an entire roster catching at least one pass for Marshall. So, is that is that going to be the norm? Is uh, Coach Huff still seeing uh, what he's got on his roster? Was that because the game got out of control? How, what about all those players uh, getting touches uh, last week? Yeah, 16 different players caught passes. Man. <laughs> Previous Marshall record was 13. Not All of those things that you mentioned play a factor, but... Grant Wells completed passes to nine different guys in the first quarter when the game was still seven to nothing. Wow! I probably should have mentioned that that is one of his trademark strengths. That he doesn't just lock in on one guy; he finds the open guy the vast majority of the time. And so it's some of all of that, but that is something that you always see with Grant Wells at quarterback. He is going to spread the ball around and test the entire defense horizontally and vertically and uh, charles huff knows running back steve uh, is that is he gonna split up these carries like this week in week out is there a feature back for marshall how about the uh, the running game well sheldon evans is the veteran the junior he has been a team leader since he stepped on campus and, and in fact last year he was not the starting running back but he was a captain every game all year long that he was healthy and able to play in so you have that leadership from him. But the freshman, Rasheen Ali, is a special player, had four rushing touchdowns at Navy, caught a touchdown pass, and in fact caught nine passes against North Carolina Central, second most in a game ever by any Marshall running back, to ten by Ahmad Bradshaw, who went on and uh, did great things in the NFL. Yeah. Those guys uh, will rotate. Ali, probably the one at the end of the year who will have the most carries and the most yards as long as he uh, stays healthy. A third guy, Knowledge McDaniel, is worthy of getting regularly regular carries as well. So uh, you see a, a, quite a good rotation there. But if, if you call them 1A and 1B, Rasheen Ali is 1A and Evans 1B right now. Steve Cotton joining us on the Fixed NC Live Line talking Marshall football. Steve, East Carolina's offense really sputtering last week. A dismal performance against South Carolina. The last thing you want to see is a, another good defense. And it looks like that's exactly what ECU will face coming up on Saturday. So the, the uh, herd allows just seven points to Navy. 10 points last week. Uh, What's going right on the defensive side of the ball so far for the Herd? Well, Marshall's defense was good last year. Number one in the nation in scoring defense. Gave up an average of 13 a game for the year. And returns most of those guys. Now, there's a defensive lineman named Darius Hodge who 
is uh, playing and doing well already in the NFL for the Cincinnati Bengals. A linebacker, Tavante Beckett, was last year's Conference USA Defensive Player of the Year, made the practice squad for the Detroit Lions. So those were a couple of good players who had to be replaced. But much of the talent is back, and it starts up front like it does for pretty much any defense. And there are 9, 10, 11 guys that they rotate and keep fresh legs, and you have no idea which ones might get the most snaps and make the most plays up front. The linebacking core, led by middle linebacker Eli Neal and an outside linebacker Abraham Boplan, probably the most consistently good unit. You kind of know exactly what you're going to get from those two particularly. And then in the secondary, you uh, had the most turnover, and you have uh, a cornerback, though, in Stephen Gilmore. That name sounds sort of familiar. He's the younger brother of Stephon Gilmore, oh, yeah. one of the best in the NFL right now. So uh, he has the good genes. You have uh, a couple of veteran senior safeties and Nazi Johnson and Brandon Drayton. So they're, the, the unit uh, is veteran on the defensive side, and several of them are standout players. I, I would be really surprised if they aren't strong all season long. Talking to Steve Cotton, that's interesting. Uh, the Pirates took on Stefan Gilmore in Charlotte uh, against South Carolina 10 years ago, and now another Gilmore on the other side of the ball uh, with Marshall there. Uh, Steve, uh, how about Marshall's uh, special teams thus far? Uh, Pirates have been great in the punting game, some issues uh, at kicker, but uh, how about for the, the hurt side of things? Well, Marshall's punters, a veteran senior, Robert Lefebvre, averages 42, 43 yards for punt consistent for the last several years uh probably not uh as eye-catching as what uh, pirate fans are used to with john young in terms of high booming punts and that kind of thing interesting story though uh talk about an nfl lineage the place kicker last year was shane chuchi he was good he's back but he lost the starting job to andrew sanders older brother of the uh kicker for the Miami Dolphins. Jason Sanders. <laughs> yeah. Andrew uh, has been in the Air Force, not at Air Force. He had a career in the Air Force. Wow. And saw that his uh, younger brother, whom he could always whip in soccer and <laughs> in uh, backyard field goal kicking and everything, was having that success. As he uh, got out of the Air Force at 26 years old, said, I'd like to try that. And he went to a kicking camp. And Marshall's special teams coordinator, Jeremy Springer, and this was even before he was uh, on staff at Marshall, I believe, saw him in action when he came to the herd said, I think I know a guy. And so Marshall has a uh, 26-, 27-year-old rookie place kicker in Andrew Sanders. Powerful leg, and uh, he's one for two on field goals. The one he missed was, uh, well, it was, I think, a 44-, 45-yarder. He missed it wide barely and it would have been good from 55 or whatever so that's the kind of leg he has he has the potential to be quite an interesting story as the year goes along yeah that's a great story east carolina has a uh, punter from australia luke larson in his upper 20s so maybe those two old guys can get together maybe they can't relate to these uh young kids on their team steve maybe they can get together and hang out at the game. Yeah, they might have a, a little chat before. After <laughs> uh, Steve, uh, looking around Conference USA, great start of the season for the Roadrunners of UTSA uh, going to Illinois, picking up a win. Louisiana Tech should have knocked off Mississippi State. Watched that game a couple weeks ago as Skip Holtz and 
crew came up just short. Uh, of course, Marshall's going to be at the top. Uh, what have you seen so far, Steve? Do you need to see more before you pick a favorite, or uh, uh, do you know the, the pecking order of Conference USA in 2021? No, there's uh, quite a bit of newness. Uh, there was the disappointing performance by UAB against Georgia this week yeah. because UAB, the defending champion, had most of its roster back. And uh, I think a lot of people thought that, not necessarily that they were going to go and whip Georgia, but that they could make a better showing than they did. The uh, On the east side, the big question yet is Western Kentucky, which totally revamped the offense. The Hilltoppers had a great defense already. The offense had struggled for a couple of years, so they brought in uh, the uh, new coordinator for the Houston Baptist. Remember that FCS team was lighting up the scoreboards last year? Yep. And the transfer, the quarterback transferred in from Houston Baptist as well. So that uh, is the, the team that everybody's kind of wondering. What will they be? Because if they have a strong offense in addition to that defense they're bringing back, then uh, that is potentially a very good team. And then uh, you have the, a huge question mark on the east side as well at Old Dominion, which didn't even play last year. So you figured they were going to probably get off to maybe a slower start than most schools because it was a new coach last year, and then he never did get to play a game. So huge question marks there. And then year two at FAU for Willie Taggart, and uh, you figure that he will recruit well down there with his reputation and so on. So a lot of question marks, more so than, than knowns thus far. And even Louisiana Tech, you know, has that uh, near-miss and coulda, shoulda, woulda game against Mississippi State. Then they turn around and hang on for a three-point win against Southeastern Louisiana <laughs> in a shootout. So I don't think anybody has any clue the way it's going to shape up this year yet. Yeah, week to week we'll, uh, we'll have new opinions on Conference USA. Speaking of conferences, Steve, how much is Marshall, and I guess you personally paying attention to conference realignment is marshall potentially looking to move up uh it looks like the aac is going to uh eventually add some schools how, how much talk around huntington is there about that there is plenty of talk but i don't know that uh it comes well it doesn't come from anybody who knows anything right and it is an unusual situation at marshall right now to be in uh kind of crazy times like this because marshall's president is in his last year already announced that quite some time ago, and we have an interim athletic director at Marshall right now. So instead, you know, you, common logic would say, hey, you'd like to have a veteran president with lots of connections and who's uh, invested in this, and not that Dr. Gilbert's disinterested in it, uh, but, you know, he, he's not going to be around for the long term. So you wonder if the Board of Governors wants to make sure that they're more involved in it's kind of an unusual situation and so there's a huge question mark in my mind and despite all of the uh internet experts who uh have great ideas and how it should be done that's a giant unknown for all of us right now yes sir well said talking to steve cotton uh steve we'll, we'll leave it on this one what uh kind of fan uh support what kind of crowd are you expecting to see saturday at uh Joan C. edwards stadium for this matchup I think it will be good. The weather forecast, warm, uh, high in the 80, mid-80s maybe. It's gone up a little bit the last couple of days. But by kickoff time at 6 o'clock, you should be down not much more than 80 and very comfortable dropping through the 70s as the game goes on. The opening game against North Carolina Central, despite the fact that it was an FCS opponent, had uh, 25,000, just a tad under 25,000. There are new amenities around the stadium. There's a 
for those who've been here in the past, 20th Street kind of runs right next to the stadium. They now close that off to traffic on game day, and they have a big concert stage out there and vendors and all sorts of entertainment going on, live music, a DJ when there's no live music. So for the Pirate fans making their way to Huntington, head over to the uh, lot west of the stadium, and starting even four hours before kickoff, that is going to be a hopping place. And Steve, uh, generalizations, I'm trying to say, are, are dangerous to to say, but I will say this. If you poll the Pirate Nation from what I've seen, it sounds like Marshall, uh, out of all the opponents over the years, has one of the, if not the, friendliest fan base uh, amongst ECU opponents. So hopefully that trend will continue. There's bad eggs in every crate, but uh, Steve, that's something I hear quite a bit. ECU as uh, fans have enjoyed their travels to Huntington. And I, I, in general, I think that's true, that people find uh, the herd nation pretty welcoming. So, yep, go by. Don't don't hesitate to stop and chat to people as you walk through the tailgate area and so on. And also, and it makes sense that uh, these two teams are forever linked by yeah. the very worst day in Marshall University's history. And then there have been some great games. Marshall has played 16 overtime football games in its history four of them against the Pirates. So we've had some great games. We have uh, the, the sad part of our history, yeah. and I think Marshall fans really uh, kind of have a special place in their hearts for the entire uh, crew of Pirates who will be coming up here. Steve, thank you so much for your time today. Have a great call on Saturday, and we'll talk to you again down the road uh, when the Pirates and the Herd meet again. All right, Cliff. Good to talk to you. Have a good one. There is Steve Cotton, play-by-play voice of the Marshall Thundering Herd. Interesting talking to him. I had some flashbacks to last week where we were previewing South Carolina. They were just off a blowout win and on paper uh, looked really good. And both Corey Miller and Tommy Suggs, who we talked to from the South Carolina camp, said, well, we played a bad team. We don't know what we got yet. South Carolina did not look great on the football field last Saturday. I think this Marshall team is better than South Carolina but, you know, hearing Steve talk, he still doesn't know what they have. They have put the ball on the ground a lot. They've uh, played a couple of bad teams. Navy is off to a horrible start. NC Central, FCS opponent were overmatched. So, uh, yeah, 93-17 to 17 through two weeks is pretty impressive. But this will be Marshall's first uh, real test, it appears, when they take on the Pirates on Saturday. We'll take a timeout, come back. More to go on Pirate Radio Live, Hour 1. We will wrap it up when we return after this. You're listening to Hour One of Pirate Radio Live. This hour is brought to you by University PC Care, your local tech support experts for all your personal and business needs. Visit universitypccare.com to learn more today. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Grab your amigos and head to Chico's for the best Mexican food and fun in Greenville. Come and enjoy favorites like shrimp tacos, steak and chicken fajitas, burritos, enchiladas, ACP, and more. Follow Chico's on Facebook and Instagram for daily updates. For Mexican food and fun, it's got to be Chico's for dine-in or to go. Now let's head back into PRL. Here's Clip Brock. Back with you, Hour 1 on Pirate Radio Live. Had planned to talk to Jeff Nadeau uh, here. We're going to talk to the big man on campus at around 440, so we'll get his take on Washington and New York coming up tonight. Also, the rest of Week 2 of the NFL slate. we get his take on uh, Panthers and Saints coming up. Chandler, so... 
stick around for that don't leave you can't leave anyway you got to be here so you ain't got to worry about that brother might as well listen while you're here uh so the big man will join us next hour the uh medium to little size man yeah. ronnie woodward joins us now <laughs> hello ronnie what's up good to see you medium man on campus m-m-o-c i like it ronnie woodward is here ronnie uh where to begin i i do uh what time's the redskins game tonight uh the football team plays at 8 20 ish okay yeah i might have to watch nah, i don't do it don't there's got to be better things you can do with your time did you watch the mets 30 for 30 Probably no because we were at sports trivia last night well it was part two i didn't watch part one on tuesday uh that will be that might be a friday night viewing for me yeah i'm with you but uh so what did you watch part one i watched so it's four parts technically i think one each hour so uh-huh. i watched part one tuesday mm-hmm. um i fell asleep during part two because bedtime just comes early now as the new dad uh so i'm about a part and a half in of the four four hours hour and a half into four okay so I, and i need to watch it but it's pretty entertaining i go back to my same complaint which look we're americans we complain about things yep um put this out in july put this out in august yeah. why is it out the start of football season well i think it's because the baseball playoffs are coming they're, they're not just, here yet yeah but they usually time it like you know there was always the one after the heisman trophy put like it at the all-star year, break like, but yeah i'm with you Sorry. like the summer was the one about mcguire and sosa because it was like the summer they were hitting all the home runs i don't know I think they try and time it around what's going on. Okay, well, they should put it in October or November then. It's still football season, though. Yeah, but well, I'm just arguing <laughs> your point now. <laughs> That's true. It makes no sense. I don't know. All right, anyway. No, I do want to see it. Yeah. I'm, I'm fascinated by up. the story, and I'll learn something, too, because I kind of know about it, but I was four or five years old then, so I didn't yeah. witness it. I've kind of heard some of the stories, but not only – like the Bulls thing, like I, I lived that. Yeah like i remember those games those seasons those years those championships so but it it added to it this one uh i'll be kind of getting it for the first time so i'm excited about it yeah it's good it's worth the part that i've seen it's it's worth checking out um ronnie where to begin so last week last week you said i go change his pick to south carolina midweek or towards the end of the week and why and he, it was kind of a gut feel thing, like being out at practice. You're not out there the whole time. But he said that there's, he he didn't see the juice he thought he wanted. I think you might have yeah, commented on that as well. Yeah, a good vibe that Wednesday. And that was the day that Mike Houston was really mad, too. Right. So it was, it was kind of odd. So, yeah. so my question today is, how's your vibe? How's their vibe? Um, <laughs> On I a scale of 1 to 10, what's the vibe at? What the, what the right word would be. I want to say, like, more serious i don't know if serious is the right word but like focused focused if not pressing maybe you know they they know what's at its stake basically yeah and that's falling to zero and three if you lose um so I don't, you know i don't know what however you want to describe it i think there's a sense of urgency there you go um whether that like translates okay they're gonna win and play really well or yeah. they're gonna be too nervous or whatever like we'll see but i think there's a a sense of and i thought honestly it was telling last night um mike houston referenced the coaches 
almost simplifying things. Um, the coaches that he's I heard him say, "Are we asking our guys to yeah. do too much?" Type of thing. Or like, you don't want you don't want the players to be confused. Um, or yeah, like overcomplicating things. Almost is the way the sense that I got. I don't know if that was directed at who, which position coach, coordinator, whatever. Obviously, you know, there's there's struggles on the offense. That's where you naturally kind of go. Um, but you combine that with Donnie Kirkpatrick mentioned receivers running the wrong routes mm-hmm. against South Carolina. So I, I don't know if that, those two things are tied together. Um, but, I, you know, I think yesterday was a pretty transparent post-practice deal if you can pick up on, like, the, the right phrasing and stuff. Surely uh, Mike Houston cut six. Glenn Griffin uh, referenced last week Mike Houston being in uh, upset at the end of practice on last Wednesday. Yeah. So this was a week later. This Wednesday, uh, he said, uh, "Has it gone better this week?" Well, they didn't tick me off at the end of practice this week, so that's you know that's the biggest the biggest difference. So, I mean, the kids they've had a great attitude, uh, and I've said it many times. You know, the kids handle you know the tough losses probably better than the the staff does, and better than the fans do. You know, they bounce back quicker. Um, and and that's that's the great thing about coaching. As soon as soon as you're around the kids, you feel better, you know, because you know they've had a positive attitude. They've been energetic. Um, you know, it was a warm practice today. You know, we had temperatures in the 90s today for practice, and they came out there with you know a lot of energy. So, um, you know, I, they're excited to go play. Uh, you know, they're they're hungry for a win. Um, so I know we're going to get good effort on Saturday night, and so we just got to get. I told him to end of practice. You know, we got to have the intensity and the effort, and we got to have better execution. You know, because that's that's really the key. And it's all three phases. It's not one phase. It's all three phases because you could you sit here Saturday, and I know you know everybody's an expert looking at you know why we didn't do this or that or the other. But I promise you, I can find a play or multiple plays in every phase that if we do a better job of execution, we win the ball game. And that's that's how close the game was, um, and that's also how close we are. You know, so. Uh, you know that's that's really the thing. It's just you know making sure that we push ourselves to be to be you know great in everything we do, and that's every single day. So and that's that's always kind of been our philosophy, and that's what we've really stressed to them this week. All right, Mike Houston, there happier with the way uh, practice has gone, the focus, the sense of urgency, all that stuff you just talked about, Ronnie, that uh, they have right now as they head into. A uh, tough road contest, first true road game of the season. Yep. Uh, 10-point underdog to a a winning team. Bryce uh, Williams was here yesterday, transferred from Marshall to East Carolina, and he said, you know, hadn't they been to a bowl game in 12 straight years whatever? And I looked it up. Uh, I think it's nine of the last 12 years they've gone bowling. Their win totals was 10 or 11, like three or four times. Yep. Eight, nine wins. They fired their coach. After they were they were top fifteen yeah, at one point last season, and, last year. and then dropped three in a row. Yeah, to end the year, got rid of Doc Holliday, brought in Charles Huff, and uh, I, <laughs> Which I like that hire. By the way, uh, what did you like about it? That he was at Alabama, <laughs> Bama running backs coach. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I still think Alabama. If there's anything tied to it in Saban and that staff, nice uh, wordplay there. What tied? Oh yeah, well done. I like that. Yeah. Um, I didn't even mean that or know that I did it. But Chandler, you look like you just want to kill both he's of us. Done. Um, but yeah, uh, if anybody's on that staff, the tire from Alabama, I'm going to call it a good hire until they don't. don't <laughs> all right, off. so that's all you're basing it off yeah. of. Yeah. Okay. Well, and they've Fair had, enough. look what they've done on offense, though. I mean, he's the running backs coach. I know. And that, that Ali, um, 
I can't remember his first name, um, but they're running back Ali. Shaheem Ali, I believe. Rashim Ali. Yeah. Rashin Rashin Ali. Ali. Um, he Ali had nine G. catches last week at the backfield. And he had Have you looked at this runs. box score? Yeah, it's wild. So they had, we talked about it with Steve Cotton a moment ago, six players run the ball other than Grant Wells. Nobody got more than eight carries. Yeah. So they all kind of split up. 16 people called a pass wow. yep. for Marshall. A tight end is really good. Gaines, um, he didn't do a whole lot last week. Xavier Gaines. So they have some pieces, I think, on offense. Um, but honestly, I, you know, and, and goes back to what you said earlier. To me, I really like the App State series, the Marshall series, and ECU. I think at this point, with App State clearly being the best team in that group the last handful of years, they're all three similar programs. Even though they're in different leagues, all three different leagues, they recruit the same type of players, the size. Um, it's it comes down to skill positions, I think, from year to year, where you're at with running back and receiver and that type of thing. But I think Well, and who's leading you at quarterback too. Yeah. Um, but they're similar fan bases. They're yeah. passionate. Um, they're proud programs. They have a lot of history of winning all three. I mean, it's, I, I like these games just from I think they're good measuring sick games, the regional type games. And at all points in time, one like one has been up, one has been down. Like yeah. Right now, we're at a point where Marshall and App State are well above East Carolina program-wise, winning-wise yeah. right now. There was a time where UCU was the best among them. Exactly. Absolutely. No and those uh, others were down. So. And, you know, so it, it revolves. But I, I think overall, they're very similar programs. And that's why I think ECU can play well this week. I really do. You're one of the few people. And, <laughs> and you you said this last week, too. I, even I was calling East Carolina to beat South Carolina – and at the same time saying they'll lose to marshall and you were like well i think I they can hang the opposite, with marshall. Kind of, yeah, yeah. Like, i just didn't like the south carolina matchup up front we talked a lot and i think that it, it, both of ecu's lines played really well um but as the game wore on with the capital one that, that uh they're not a sponsor no uh the sec depth eventually i think won out up front when you look at the last drive when you look at eventually, South Carolina knew they could could do some things late. Look, Benjamin told us Tuesday not to look back at that game anymore. I know. I don't know if you heard that. It was a pretty funny segment uh, when okay. I was here. Okay. It, but my point is, yeah. looking forward, is this this is a different matchup. They're yeah, not, more even. ECU's not going to be outmanned up front. Marshall doesn't have 340-pound linemen. They're just built similar physically. Now, Marshall's going to have some speed like App and some skill guys to do some different things south carolina didn't really have doc like, holiday used to have like 75 of percent of the roster from florida i wonder yeah. i probably still looks like the, that the running backs are from florida yeah. um because when i looked at that the roster this week there's definitely a few so there's still some of that there but yeah they i just think it's a different matchup and i think a really similar type personnel to ecu um so i don't think you know i think they can run the ball ecu can and do some different things that they weren't able to maybe do against South Carolina for the whole game. So we'll see. I remember when he was at West Virginia and those teams, and I guess, well, he was there a little uh, a little earlier than I was anticipating. I was thinking more maybe Rich Rod era or whatever. But this says second stint. Yeah, it, it was one of those teams that had like Chris Henry. Like it was just full of Florida dudes. Yeah. And, and Rich Rod and whatever um around that time and it's kind of carried over to marshall and what he's been able to do recruiting wise uh there so anyway they always got a ton of speed they do 
All right, let's take a time out. We'll come back. Hour two on the way. More with Ronnie Woodward. We'll talk about a uh, Chandler. You got some? I have a uniform update for Saturday. Oh, uh, all right. White on purple. I'll let I'm you guess, go. and then we'll uh, when we come back from break, I'll let the people know if y'all are right or wrong. All right, I'm gonna go white on white, purple lids. I'm gonna say Marshall's wearing green on white. I have no idea what Marshall's wearing. That's my. What do you What do you have, Ronnie? I'm gonna go purple pants. White jersey. Is that a thing? All right. What hel- Well, never mind. White helmet? I don't know. What <laughs> helmets do they have? Just purple. I thought you were nah, purple. Yeah. Not a purple. But no. anyway. Okay. All right. We'll have that. Also, uh, a topic I do not like to talk about that people are interested in while Ronnie's here. We'll kick around uh, expansion. some expansion talk uh, because there is an article from Dennis Dodd from CBS Sports. American targeting Mountain West powers among handful of expansion candidates in realignment. So we'll uh, run down some of the candidates, talk about that. I know folks are interested in it. So we'll discuss that and more on the Pirates and the Herd after this. Listening to Hour 2 of Pirate Radio Live. This hour of PRL is sponsored by Signs and Tint, Eastern North Carolina's choice for window tinting, signs, graphics, wraps, graphic design, and more. Visit Sign and Tint today at 801 Staten Road in Greenville or book an appointment online at signsandtint.com. Now back to the show. Welcome back. UBE has been an ECU tradition for over 50 years. You can shop online anytime at piratewear.com. UBE has the biggest and best selection of ECU sportswear and accessories for Pirates of all ages. Every day is game day at UBE. Now let's head back in to Pirate Radio Live. Here is your host, Clipper Ock. Alrighty, back with you on Pirate Radio Live here on a Thursday. I was going to say Friday because on Friday we'll be recapping Washington and the Giants. Um... And we'll be doing a lot of that if Washington wins. If they don't, we will not even bring it up at all. Ben on Facebook Live says, The legend of Taylor Heineke continues tonight. Heineke! Heineke! Shirley, could, uh, do you think you could find the clip of Chandler, Tony, and myself celebrating his touchdown? It might be labeled Taylor Heineke TD or something like that. See if you can find it. If not, no problem. He's a hero! But his touchdown scamper in the... Uh, in the Bucks game last year that put, put Washington two points down in the third quarter, the eventual Super Bowl champion. We had him on the ropes, Chandler. I think it was the closest what did game. You, what did you say you named it? I don't remember. Taylor Heineke. Watch, uh, watch along. Those are some key words you can look for, but I don't know. All right. I'll see if I can it. find it. Ronnie, uh, the topic I have mostly ignored. I'm kind of more focused on what's happening small picture and currently with ECU football. But I'm with you. And also, it's like I'm, it's not a fun story to talk about yeah. because our situation's not changing. If it, if anything, it's getting worse uh, with Cincinnati, UCF, Houston, uh, and BYU taking off to the Big 12. Did you guys want to know the uniform combination? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. <laughs> So, Ronnie, you went purple pants, I white tops. I saw it tops. during the break. Yeah. Is that right? Uh, Ron, our uh, clip, you went white on white with purple lids. White on white, white shirt, white pants. We're going black helmets this week oh. with the purple face mask. I didn't even know that was the thing. I didn't know Like, Jane Summer style. So. The Virginia Tech game? Yeah. 
So uh, black hats, white top, white draws. Hmm. White draws. All right, whitey tight. Put your big boy draws on. That's on the ECU football Twitter account. Yes. No, this is on uh, Chandler's, tweeted Chandler's out. fan page. What <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you not trust him? No, yeah, I just no, to, I, I'm not a great source. I I guess. Ronnie is the source checker, so I that's want a good to, thing. Uh, look at it. Who's <laughs> on like the video reveal thing? I think it's Jira Wilson. See, okay, oh, I do. That is your fan account. Okay, there yeah, I've been caught. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, back to what I was saying. Dennis Dodd wrote an article, CBS Sports. Uh, by the way, Ronnie, as a, a man in the industry of sorts, do yes. you like this? Over, this is interesting. It, it shows how dumb and uh impatient us americans are but i like this feature where they have the headline of the story and who wrote it and then beside it it says how How long long it takes takes to read it what do you think about that uh i kind of like it yeah it also is embarrassing that us as a people have to have that now and be like this isn't worth my click this isn't worth my time or like i've got six minutes yeah you kind of know going into it well if it's really long like thought out deal it's 20 minutes or five yeah that's seven, pretty cool whatever you i want to know whose job it is to read every story <laughs> and time it yeah. so they can tell the person like it wise or whatever on what to put how many minutes it took to read you know what i accept this challenge uh start the clock i'm gonna see if i can go <laughs> faster than six minutes uh anyway so th- the headline is american targeting mountain west powers and uh this is a reaction of course to cincinnati houston ucf uh according to dennis dodd the aac has focused on recruiting a group of schools that includes air force would be a nice pairing with navy yeah i like it boise state really still is national power overstating what boise state is a proven program certainly like national relevant yeah attractive whatever absolutely people will like to watch boise state football if they're on including myself people won't like getting there um, colorado state yeah san diego state my fan marshall fault and uab i like that one it was a good very good program right now i feel like uab is the one program that's consistently mentioned yeah like as far as the southeast schools that's the one that it looks like is a big target uh this is certainly going outside the box here with like marshall app state southern miss pretty you know closer yeah and g uh and their geographical fits for us but not for smu yeah not for temple memphis so all the geography stuff's kind of thrown out the window at this point anyway so i guess uh again this is um according to dennis dodd uh he does say that the aac will add four to get to 12 where they were at 11 previously yeah so the thing with me I don't know. I guess this would really be like a, a John Gilbert or whatever type of question. If you go west with multiple teams, I, I'm assuming it has to be all sports, or do you do football only? Because the only thing that I have there of hesitancy is volleyball, yeah, soccer. Are you sending South Florida and ECU to go play tennis and golf and volleyball on Tuesday nights? to boise idaho and then colorado state that's a good point um, maybe we should just start making know. football leagues well like that's and then everything been boise's thing yeah it's like they want to do football only because they don't want to go play south florida and no sports either um it just doesn't make sense financially it does you know especially um, where everybody is now coming off of covid year yeah so I, that's the only thing that, unless i don't know unless the 
the TV deal, you're able to make enough money where, right. okay, this makes sense. But I don't know. When I see that many West Coast teams, I wonder if there's football-only either discussions involved or not because it's, I don't I don't I don't know I don't like ECU going to Colorado State to play soccer and volleyball and it you know whatever even baseball or you know like I mean just I don't know Brian Brian on Facebook Live has a good question which I kind of agree with he says outside of Boise who wants to see those matchups yeah I'd rather see ECU App State ECU Marshall ECU Southern Miss than ECU san diego san state, state ecu colorado that's, state that's or even uab air force is intriguing just because i've never seen them play east carolina yeah um but no brian to your point and i don't know what teams you would rather have over these teams but i just named a few that i'd rather see in app state marshall and southern miss so yeah that is a good point too and it's at this point for Aresco, i guess it's about attracting the teams that will give you the best chance to, to make the most money keep, on a TV deal. Yeah, and that's why maybe they're cool with the other sports having to travel to, to San Diego, California on a Wednesday night. Um, even basketball. So, you know, it's like you're missing two or three days of class. I mean, you're traveling across the country. I don't know. That's my rant about that. But. I'm almost at the point now where I thought it was the coolest thing ever knowing that Cincinnati, Louisville, Marquette, those teams would be coming to Menji's Coliseum. I was like, this is like big-time basketball for the first time in my life in Greenville. And now I'm I'm about to the point where I'd, I'd, I'd be fine with going back to the CAA yeah. or, some, or the Atlantic NCAA. 10, something like that, Whatever. just playing these local teams again Yeah, well, and, and, and I, trying to make the tournament by winning the conference tournament at the end of the year. I've heard, yeah, I think even John Gilbert and, you know, people of uh, whatever have at least mentioned it. You know, I don't know how realistic it is, but, like, can you have a football league like that and then have the other sports play in a different league? You know, whatever, like in the group of five, like, really restructure things. And in basketball, you play VCU and Richmond and whoever. That's your league. Um, I don't know if it's realistic, you know, to actually happen because then it gets weird. But I don't know. That's, that's what I worry about with the West Coast thing, especially like San Diego State. But I guess if it's football and then it doesn't matter, and that you know that's how you get your ESPN money, then then do it. But John, John, uh, I believe it was John. John uh, said, "Look at the East." Comments from the bottom of the Dodds uh, article, and it's like in East Ten. It says, "Why not?" Uh, cut travel costs with this geographical lineup that will yeah. look something like this app state charlotte coastal east carolina fau fiu marshall navy odu south florida that'd be great i think that'd be awesome what about you yeah i'm I trying mean, to think what's in the aac left over now what would be we be missing from that memphis, memphis. temple uh SMU. SMU. So, am I okay with losing those teams for these? Ad, yeah. Ad State, Charlotte, Coastal. Yeah, I'd be okay with that. Marshall. Like, yeah. Florida Atlantic's a good, you know, good whatever mid-major type program. So, And, Brian, I'm not I'm not even saying, and Brian says, I'm with you, Clip. TV is important, but I'm into the regional rivals, fans in the seats. I'm on your side. I don't – I'm not making any of the TV money, so I don't care about that. I'd rather have cool matchups. I'm on your side here. 
Brian, with the uh, geographical teams and more fan interesting games. Uh, if people yeah. are going to be more interested to see East Carolina and Coastal Carolina or yeah. App State Marshall. than Colorado State, yeah. uh, no doubt. Uh, Mike says, imagine the start time of the fifth quarter after a game at San, <laughs> San Diego, Diego State. State. <laughs> That's a 1030 oh, kickoff, maybe, yeah, at the like earliest. Fox, late night. Yeah, not the curse, but that game ain't on. That game might be. Oh, that's true. It might be on Flow ESPN Sports. Plus. <laughs> yeah, we'll be lucky. Although if we're there, we're in the American. We'll have ESPN Plus. Yeah. You would think. Yeah. Uh, what time was that BYU game a few years ago when we went there? I want to say it started nine ish, maybe. I remember it being late. It was late, but that San Diego State game, man, yes. <laughs> that would be. And you talk about a late fifth quarter. <laughs> Oh, my God. Hey, look, you want to go uh, TV markets? I mean, Hawaii <laughs> controls an entire state. <laughs> Why not play he's, them? He's got good mojo in Hawaii. And then we'll send out the women's lacrosse team to play them on a <laughs> random Wednesday, too. <laughs> yeah, so I don't lacrosse know. Lacrosse plays in a different – are they in the American? No, nah, they have, like, like they're Florida's in the in American, <laughs> but Florida's in there. Oh, my God. It's like a weird collection. Yeah. I hope we never play my, uh, Hawaii. They would have the advantage. We would go there for vacation. <laughs> Get Cy Seymour on the phone. He, yeah. uh, so we kick off at 12.30. That's what time Hawaii plays this week. Game ends at 4 o'clock. And our, so we go on the air post-game show. We'll be home at 6, uh, 6.30, 7 a.m. It'd be the first time that our post-game meal would be breakfast. <laughs> yeah, I hop. <laughs> live from the waffle house ah <laughs> oh, man that'd be crazy Ugh. um <laughs> red beard is just the ultimate curmudgeon he says the pirates would be better off going to the brian bailey big carolina conference uh they might go six and six the angst this week i don't know man i i think we could beat south central new Bern could be a challenge uh, the bears are tough Havelock probably has our number, but we could win some games there. All right. Everything that's mentioned this week turns into the same topic. Mike uh, says Billy Weaver could bring in breakfast for the start of the fifth quarter. There you go. Billy's uh, beach breakfast. So, All right, let's take uh, another timeout. We'll come back. uh, One more segment to go with Ronnie Woodward from the Daily Reflector and uh, more of your thoughts, comments, and you can give us a call, 317-1250. We'll have more for you on Pirate Radio Live after this. listening to Hour 2 of Pirate Radio Live. This hour of PRL is sponsored by Signs and Tint, Eastern North Carolina's choice for window tinting, signs, graphics, wraps, graphic design, and more. Visit Sign and Tint today at 801 Staten Road in Greenville or book an appointment online at signsandtint.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Brown and Wood is your home of the best selection of GMC, Cadillac, Buick, and Mazda in Eastern North Carolina for over 83 years. Shop their entire inventory online at brownandwoodauto.com or visit them on Greenville Boulevard in Greenville. Now let's head back into PRL. Here's Clip Rock. Back with you on Pirate Radio Live. We've got football team versus the Giants tonight. As one of those teams is going to go 0-2 and and one of those teams is going to go 0-1 in the division. Washington, (laughs) it's week two of a now week... 18 18 week schedule 17 games but 
0-2 at home, 0-1 in the division is not a recipe for success. So this is a, uh, a very important game on each side, especially Washington side coming off a loss. All right, let's uh, hit one more segment here with Ronnie Wilbur. By the way, speaking of that game real quick, we do have the audio. So myself, big Washington fan, obviously, and two Panthers fans, Chandler Honeycutt and Tony Dunn, had our watch along during the playoffs last year. And we had a great moment on Heineke's scramble run for a touchdown. Let's hear that, uh, Shirley. Oh, dear. My least favorite down, Tony. Like least that. favorite down. It's about to be your least worst favorite. Ah! Heineke the hero. Oh, the oh, hero. Oh, he got in. Oh, he got in. Oh, he got in. He's a hero. A lot going on there, Ronnie. There was. I was running around the studio. That was awesome. Chandler, Chandler lost his voice. mind. Tony Dunn, Heineke the hero. Uh, we need to recreate some of that magic tonight as uh, Washington takes on the Giants. I don't like Michael Irvin being at the stadium. It's a bad omen already. So that's not good. All right, uh, Ronnie, ECU Marshall. What's your, what what's your gut telling you for this week? Oh man, um, I gotta. I don't know. <laughs> well, are you all right? Yeah, I'm good. All um, right. I think they're gonna play well. <laughs> I don't know if I can pick them to win. Mar- Marshall's but, a ten point favorite. Uh, what side would you be on spread wise? I'd probably take the points. Really? So you do feel pretty good about this game? Sure. Do you? <sighs> I, I think, yeah. <laughs> I take the point. What is wrong with you right now? <laughs> I don't know. Um, Do you want to talk about something else? I mean, no, no, no. I'm, I'm trying to uncomfortable. Think. I'm just trying to think in my head. All right. Well, I asked for your gut, not your brain That's prediction. True. Okay. Well, it, yeah, there's two different things. Let's play word association. Just the first thing that comes to your mind when I say these words. Okay. Bluebird. Toronto. Okay. Like the Blue Jays. I know. I get it. You don't <laughs> have to explain it. Um, shoes nike mm, interesting ecu i like nikes um i'm gonna give you an explanation at the end of grass today i cut the grass <laughs> ecu football marshall <laughs> <laughs> that was pretty good marshall that was pretty good the next marshall moment. yeah oh uh mathers slim shady <laughs> Um, ECU versus Marshall coming up this Saturday. <laughs> See, you're not doing it. You don't. You won't. You didn't go with your gut there. Yeah. You did a great job. At, uh, for whatever reason, I ran out of steam. For whatever reason, this game, you you just you're not willing to say it, or you don't know what to say about this game. I I just think, to me, it comes down to Marshall's playmakers. Um, okay. Which ones? They seem to have a trillion of them. Yeah, the tight end's good. The running back. um, They have one receiver who's got some big play ability. So, I mean, look, if Marshall hits on some big plays, kind of like App State did, it can go that route. But, um, you know, I think it's – does the the ECU defense from last week carry some things over and do some good things? I I think ECU is going to be able to score. I think they're going to play a lot better on offense. They're going to be able to score. I think they can run the ball, honestly. Um, I know that's not what people want to hear because they want to see this crazy wide-open offense and score all these points. I think ECU can do some ball control things. 
but then you got to play good defense to back it up. So I'll say that. I think that's what it comes down to. If they can play defense and not give up some huge plays, I think they can stay in the game. How many uh, trips have you made to Huntington? None. Oh, this is it? First one. Awesome. Well, have fun, man. I talked to Steve Cotton earlier. I know you've probably had these conversations, but you're not a fan per se, but you go to the games and stuff. It seems like uh, if you polled the Pirate Nation, like who has the best opposing fan base, Marshall would be, if not at the top very near the top yeah and the the plane crash kind of ties them together yeah it's hard to like be hostile toward a a program when there's you're connected through something that tragic obviously so like i get it and again i think it goes into uh they used to be in conference usa i think it's a good matchup against similar fan bases and styles and recruiting and, and all that i think it makes a lot of sense that there's a general respect for like what each other does because i think they're real similar in a lot of ways ronnie woodward joining us ronnie uh kevin monroe brought up a, a good point that we'll talk about this with rick smith south carolina had one thing they could do pretty well although you know i guess nolan hit a few targets here and there should have that one receiver was good yeah, uh, van van josh yeah. van they were pretty one-dimensional though yeah. and and ecu knew that and ecu took advantage of that with a great defensive performance this one's going to be trickier that's why yeah I, if marshall's on you know yeah like they uh, they have the ability to win by two three touchdowns um if they hit those big plays but i also think you know the, mike houston's kind of referenced it even marshall's coach has referenced it um navy's not good nc central's nc central i know it's where a lot like ECU? last week we don't yeah, know like where's ecu ranking that you know like can they do the same thing that they did to navy <laughs> to ecu maybe hey pirates uh, fans if we're doing a power rankings of marshall's opponents east carolina's at the top baby yeah, yeah. um maybe not next week definitely not next week when marshall plays app state Absolutely. but as of right now marshall's uh, toughest task will be east it's carolina ECU. yeah i think that's a fact and that's legit so charles huff blew a lot of smoke uh at the did. press conference but him saying He's that right. is factual yeah um because navy's a mess uh on and off the field yeah. with their oc yep. getting fired coming back weird thing there yeah. so I, i'm looking forward to it good trip um hopefully we make it in one piece i go i'm gonna drive i guess we're gonna ride shotgun over under through the mountains tyler sneed and cj johnson combined receptions nine and a half they need a lot um it's been well under both games thus yeah. far it's a good number i'd yeah. probably take the over with sneed getting a lot of six and four looks. maybe yeah seven and four um but yeah look i, I think the receivers have got to do a better job i don't think they've it's easy to hot to pile on holton you know i get it pile on the quarterback but the receivers um they've got to make some plays too uh you know sneed's had some moments cj aside from that hail mary that wasn't a hail mary it just has I been mean, a just, complete non-factor yeah has, you know down the field especially and maybe the the scheme the the blocking there's not enough time but there, there just hasn't aside from the really the two big plays of the season the trick play and then the keaton mitchell long touchdown that was a, a swing pass like it wasn't a long big yeah. pass it was a play that turned into a big play there's hasn't been many downfield shots certainly that have connected so how do you do that do you have to block better do you have to get the right matchups you know we'll see but uh yeah i think the combination of running the ball and just trying to to me too like 
App State knows their guys, like their playmakers. Marshall, with that running back and the tight end, who is ECU's fastball? Like, who Like who do you want to get the ball to a lot? And, like, a, a, an identity on offense is still obviously where ECU's searching for that. Um, is it the running backs? Is it C.J. Johnson? Is it Tyler Sneed? I think we need, like, um, an 11-catch Tyler Sneed game. Yeah, like, it could be. Um, this this makes sense as a Tyler Sneed game. I think Hatfield is emerging yeah, I don't think that has been that, great to like, see. True guy either, but like at some point you have to hang your hat on something and somebody. And I your think hat field. There you go. They're mm. trying to figure that out. You're I mixing think. a lot of uh, wordplay today unintentionally, and I like it, Ronnie. All right, Ronnie, good stuff. We'll call you uh, Saturday on the Bud Light pregame tailgate. Probably be on the road. Maybe checking in the hotel. Good news, you've got plenty of time to talk with the travel and everything. Bad news, the reception is pretty brutal in those mountains. Oh yeah. So we'll see how it goes. Maybe somewhere in Virginia or wherever. Yeah, I don't know your exact trek there, but uh, I don't either. We'll uh, we'll talk. What time does the tailgate start? Two o'clock. Okay, Mm, we might be in West Virginia. Okay, well we'll 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 talk to you. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. We'll take a time out when we return. Jeff Nadeau, the big man on campus, joins us. We talked college football Tuesday. We'll talk NFL today. So Washington Giants will get his uh, selection on that. Panthers, Saints, and everything else going on week two of the NFL. We'll do that when we return on Pirate Radio Live. Back with you after this. Listening to Hour 2 of Pirate Radio Live. This hour of PRL is sponsored by Signs and Tint, Eastern North Carolina's choice for window tinting, signs, graphics, wraps, graphic design, and more. Visit Sign and Tint today at 801 Staten Road in Greenville or book an appointment online at signsandtint.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Tommy's Express Car Wash. Come experience the difference at Tommy's. Now open at the corner of Greenville Boulevard and Red Banks Road. Doesn't your car deserve it? Visit Tommy's Express Car Wash today. Now let's head back in to PRL. Here's Clip Brock. Back with you on Pirate Radio Live. We have uh, talked extensively in our Bud Light EC report. We'll get back to that at 5 o'clock with Rick Smith. Also, make you a winner. We'll open up the booty bag. But right now, we'll head out to the Fixed NC Live line and talk some NFL with the big man on campus, Jeff Nadeau. He joins us here on Pirate Radio Live on a Thursday. Big man, how you doing today? Pretty good. How are you, Cliff? I'm doing all right. Uh, pretty important game for my football team tonight as they take on the Giants. Uh, you don't want to go 0-2. You don't want to go 0-1 at home in the division. If you're Washington, the Giants in the same boat. Don't want to lose a division game. Don't want to start 0-2. So an important game, probably an ugly game tonight on Thursday Night Football. Washington, a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Daniel Jones can't beat anybody, but he's 4-0 and against Washington in his career. That one troubles me a little bit, big man. Do you have a read on uh, this football game tonight? Yeah, you know, when you look at this game, obviously it, it's very early in the season, but, you know, an NFC showdown, you look at the Giants, they've won five in a row against uh, Washington, as, as you probably know. Uh, in four of those five, Washington hasn't gotten, uh, only gotten into the 20s, I think, once. So, you know, this is a team that, that has really struggled against the the, the Giants over, I mean, October of 2018 is the last time they beat uh, New York. Um, I look at this game, though. I think these are different teams at this point. When you look at the Giants, 
I think you make the case they have the worst offensive line in the NFL. And this group is dreadful. Uh, It's not good when you have a guy like Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones needs to be behind Cleveland's offensive line or Philadelphia or somebody like that. Um, With that offensive line, with with the um, just ineptness of them, he obviously uh, turns it over too much. You know, Barkley can't really get going. I think he was ten for twenty-six the uh, the other last week for un- almost two and a half yards to carry. Not good. You can't get the ball to the weapons. Um, you're going to have a ferocious front up front, as you know. Look, I thought team total under for the Giants made a little sense here. I thought nineteen was a little high. Um, you know, I-, I feel like for me, Washington last week gave up yards, but they didn't bend and break in the red zone. You also look at last year; the Giants were second worst in the NFL and touchdown percentage in the red zone so i feel like this is like a 24 17 type of game i got a player prop uh big man last week taylor heineke hit logan thomas for a touchdown last year when heineke started in the wild card game against tampa uh logan thomas five catches 74 yards i like uh logan thomas over four catches and uh, i think i like logan thomas anytime touchdown heineke likes uh the big target in logan thomas i'm hoping terry mclaurin uh gets more involved than he did last week had a spectacular catch i uh, need to get him rolling but i do like logan thomas uh to have at least four for the push i think he'll get to five catches tonight so just throwing that out there yeah i mean the the tight end always the uh kind of the safety valve for for a quarterback that you know maybe a backup or or, or a young quarterback so yeah I, I don't mind that but I just have a lot of trouble believing that the Giants can, you know, effectively move the football tonight. I, I just up front is what matters most, and I, I really worry about that them against you know Sweat and Chase Young. I mean, this is a a very good defensive line. You know, you look at even last week. I mean, it's not like the Chargers were incredible offensively. Giants or uh, the Redskins played pretty well and uh, ultimately uh, got some stops. And Jeff, you you said it. The Washington bent all day. They didn't quite break. But their defensive line had to be pretty embarrassed uh, at the lack of pressure they got on Herbert. And, you know, all the, the press clippings, they had a great 2020 coming into this year. The defense supposed to be top five, top three, one of the best, and just did not have a great showing last week. So uh, I'm, I'm thinking they come out hungry tonight and uh, and get to Daniel Jones. And good grief, if anybody's going to give you the football at the quarterback position is Daniel Jones. So I, I'm not good at predicting these. I got way too much heart in it, Jeff, but I do think you'll see a, a much better Washington defense tonight. I hope so anyway. And Clip, remember, I mean, this is, um, you know, I saw this quote. I mean, Washington is really kind of the NFC version of Denver, who the Giants played last week. That's a good point. The Giants move the ball, but again, this group is dreadful in the red zone. They yeah. don't have any uh, people to throw to, and, and their offensive line is poor. All right, uh, let's talk about the Carolina Panthers, Jeff. I, I I love them, uh, and it's not even a bounce back. They won last week. It's more of the Saints maybe coming back down to earth. Saints might be a good football team. Jameis might have a fantastic uh, 2021, but the five touchdowns, no picks. Uh, if we know the career of Jameis Winston, he's due for a pick or two. I don't know. I just love Carolina at home getting three and a half this week. Total sitting at 44 and a half. What do you think about that matchup? Yeah, this is one I didn't have much on. Obviously, the Saints played – you know, pretty perfect football last week. You have to figure, you know, if we know them the way we think we do, especially with, you know, a new quarterback and a quarterback that makes mistakes, they're obviously going to come back to earth a little bit. 
you know, Carolina, I don't know. I thought they were a bit underwhelming, frankly. I liked the Jets last week. I mentioned that to you. Uh, ended up being the right number if you got the right number. But I don't know. Divisional game, obviously, it's at Carolina. I just, I'm not real impressed by Carolina's skill guys, really, outside of McCaffrey. Uh, I don't love Darnold either. So, um, yeah, week two, this is a good week. But this is a game I didn't have much on. I feel like the line was a little short for the Saints. I feel like the Panthers maybe should be. Five and a half, maybe six, I'd get hmm. uh, and feel a little bit better. But, yeah, you got to wonder. I mean, can, can can the Panthers stop the run? Pretty good, you know, front uh, seven. But, um, you know, the Saints were able to really manhandle uh, the Packers last week. They may have the best offensive line in the NFL. The Saints offensive line is very good. Um, I didn't have much on this. I feel like the line was a little short, to be honest, if you like the Saints. Cowboys going out West Coast to play the Chargers. The Chargers have gone from a three-point favorite to a three-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. Total at 55-and-a-half. Boy, the Chargers, as we said, moved the ball up and down the field, just couldn't cash it in with touchdowns or with any points in a lot of their red zone trips. Maybe that gets corrected this week. Cowboys offense was humming against Tampa Bay. Uh, Potential over here, Jeff. Uh, How about the game? How about the uh, total in this matchup? Yeah, I mean, the Cowboys continue to have offensive line issues. I mean, Zach Martin will be back, but I don't think Lyle Collins is, is in there. Um, they're not going to have Michael Gallup, as far as I know. Defensively, you know, we may be looking at the worst secondary in the NFL. I mean, they're dreadful uh, back there. You know, add in the fact that it's on the road. Look, I know L.A. is not a great uh, home foot advantage, but it's still traveling early season, you know, young defense. Look, I like the Cowboys offensively, but, you know, the tonic for stopping them is, you know, a better defense. And I think the Chargers are, are obviously very good on that end. And not that Tampa isn't either, but I just think you have a little tape now on, you know, Dak. We know kind of what he's capable of being back now. It's a tough game here. I lean Chargers. think it's the better play. I think they're the better defense. So we're more likely to get a stop. Um, I, I think the public will be over the Cowboys. I'll, uh, I'll lean Chargers. They win this game 31-21. Jeff, good read on the Titans last week. You were uh, certainly leaning to the Arizona side in that one when we spoke about it. A uh, couple of – Real quick. Yeah, go ahead. Funny enough, I actually played uh, Sunday morning. I actually took the Titans team total, so I ended up actually losing ultimately because I played their team total. I didn't know if they would cover or what, but I thought their offense would move ball. You should have listened to Jeff Nadeau when he said if one team could make a stop in that game, it would be the Cardinals. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that, I bring that up, Jeff, because you got some bounce-back opportunities in Week 2 here. One of those is the Titans. Now, they got a, one of the toughest places to play in Seattle, but they are six-point dogs. And, and another one I'm looking at is the Bills. They're minus three-and-a-half, so they're road favorites in a division game against the Dolphins. But i got to imagine they're going to play – a lot better if not week two certainly at some point in 2021 so how about those particular teams titans bills do you see a bounce back in one of those games uh both on the road this week yeah you know i saw that um like 90 percent of the action coming in is on the buffalo bills it's the most popular hmm. back game this week look road favorite number hasn't moved at all hmm. um but you know what i have a feeling is going to happen in this football game let me tell you i have a feeling sunday morning there's one team in the NFL clip that has been very vocal about uh, certain players don't want to get a, a particular shot that we're supposed to all get, or at least it's recommended. Why do I have a feeling the whole world's going to be on the Bills and Sunday we're going to hear the, the Von Diggs isn't going to play this week. He's in COVID protocol. Uh, I have something feeling something's going to happen here. I think the Dolphins are a, 
or a solid team. Hmm. I didn't understand why they were dogs last week. I guess I get why they're a dog this week. The Bills are a good football team. But, look, ultimately the Bills, um, you know, they're not going to have any more success, I think, here. Dolphins are a good defense. They're well-coached. Um, they're not just a walk all over anymore. They're a decent football team that I think can fringe make the playoffs. So I wouldn't have any interest in the Bills. Uh, as far as the Titans, Clip, I was surprised this number keeps going up. Open four and a half, hit five, hit five and a half. Now it's at the six. Yeah. Uh, I guess people just aren't in belief that the Titans offensive line, that wasn't just a one-off game. Um, I feel like they had better chemistry this week. I thought they were a good play. I thought they would win the game, frankly. So I'd be in on the Titans. I don't understand this whole one. Plus, weather doesn't look great up in Seattle as usual, and you know I'd rather have Derrick Henry than anyone the Seahawks are going to have. Jeff, let's uh, let's talk about the big spreads real quick. I, if I believe talking to you in the past, you you might shy away from these big numbers in uh, the NFL, certainly not in college. But Browns minus twelve and a half against the Texans. Uh, you've got the Bucks minus 12 and a half at home against the Falcons. And then Monday night football, the Packers are 11 point favorites against Detroit. You don't see a lot of double digit spreads. You certainly don't see it a lot. Three games in one week. So uh, any of these you like, uh, stay aways. What do you think? Uh, well, I think the one, I mean, if I had to play, if you made me pick one of them, I'd yeah. probably pick probably Tampa, but look, I'm going to tell you now, I mean, you're not going to make a lot of money laying double digits in the NFL. It's just not yeah. a good idea. Look, Tampa's secondary, I think, is touchy. Look, they didn't play well the Falcons last week, but you know, they have some talent in, in the receiver cores. We know with Ridley and Pitts. You know, the one that's kind of intriguing also is, is the Texans. You know, look, I like the Browns. I'm very high on them as a team. But, you know, another group, they're not going to have Odell Beckham again. Um, you know, laying double digits. Defense is good. I don't think it's great. Texans can move the ball. I was impressed with Tyrod Taylor last week. You know, they still have Brandon Cooks. They still have some guys. That kind of struck me as like, you know, 31-20. I thought the number of moves was a little high. Yeah. I feel like the Texans can get into the 20s maybe and, <clears throat> and, and connect something there. As far as the, the night uh, game, uh, Monday night, I feel like if you're the Packers, you just have to you know, hold your breath and, and, and play Packers team total over. I mean, Last year, they scored 31-42 and 42 against the Lions. This is a Lions defense that is considerably worse. They just lost Jeff Okuda. They might have the worst defense in the NFL, frankly. So, especially of a Packer, I mean, the whole world's giving the Packers here. Um, I'm really just going to look that they can score. I, I, I think they bounce back here. Tough to lay those big numbers. Jeff, did you get helped or hurt in the 49ers-Lions game where the Lions made that furious comeback, or did you not play that one at all? No, I didn't. I didn't play that game. I I had a feeling something was going to happen because um, you know everyone loved the Niners. Um, but yet, look, the, the 49ers have major issues. Clip defensively, that that secondary is not good, and they just lost Jason Verrett. And I think that's why in Philadelphia this week, home opener, people are excited because that secondary is not good for for San Francisco. The quarterback issues are concerning. Um, I don't love their skill position guys, so. Yeah, San Francisco had some real issues. They don't have Raheem Mostert. Their running back group is decimated right now. So Eagles plus three, Jeff. Thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they win the game. I think the, I think this Eagles team. I, I try to tell you, try to tell people. I think this team's legitimate, man. I really do. Their offensive line and defensive line are just really good. They have a quarterback that that has a quick release. 
You know, the, the, the starters, I thought, offensively played really well. Look, Clip, I thought that was the best game the Eagles played in, in years. Uh, they were really, really good. They executed. I think this is a, a beaten-up a Niner team. They got a beaten-up Niner team last year and beat them. The difference was Nick Mullins playing quarterback, I believe, at one point. But, uh, yeah, I think the Eagles are a real live dog here. Uh, it's going to be a fun uh, day in, in Philadelphia. I talked to a uh, an Eagles fan last night at Sports Trivia at AJ's, a guy that I don't know that well, but every time I see him, we talk NFL because he's an Eagles fan. And he had, and he wasn't being like over cocky or anything. He was just like super disgusted at how overlooked this Eagles team was. It reminded me of you a little bit where, you know, you just throw the Eagles at the bottom of the division and move on. And uh, I think he thinks that he doesn't think they're a world beater, but he thinks they're a lot better than. Uh, people had him going into this year, kind of similar to our chats, I think, Jeff. Yeah, I think, Cliff, you know, when you look at the Eagles, I think it's it's hard to envision that they wouldn't win at least eight or nine games just on 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 the, the come-up just because of their ability to generally win in the trenches. I mean, when they're fully healthy, this offensive line is good as it gets in the NFL. And, you know, the defensive line is very good as well. I don't think people understand some of the moves they made. They finally have a secondary you know, Darius Slay and Steven Nelson are both very good corners. They're, they're still missing their starting safety, Rodney McLeod. You know, when you look at the skill positions, there's a lot of excitement there. They have a good running back. And they have a quarterback now that can move around. He's just a good kid. He's a leader. Uh, and he says all the right things. The coaching staff's better. They make adjustments. Um, I, I've, in the past, you know, I hated Chip Kelly. Wasn't a big Doug Peterson fan. But I really like this guy, Nick Sirianni. I, um... I relate him a lot to the Phillies when they got Charlie Manuel back in the late 2000s. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people, a lot of people made fun of Charlie Manuel, you know, the down south, you know, Charlie and Mayberry they called him here and you know, he um he, he ended up just he's a great coach. Won a, won a World Series here. Um and I think Sirianni's similar. He's from this area and he kind of got made fun of, but I think he's a good coach and and, and knows how to do things. Jeff Nadeau joining us. Jeff, I did not uh, – so I watched Washington at 1 o'clock last week. There were other games on, but I didn't focus on them. I had to go back and watch the highlights of the Bengals and the Vikings. And I only saw highlights, so I saw the great plays. But this Bengals offense is super interesting. With Burrow, you've got three really good receivers. And Joe Mixon had the most rushing yards in the NFL in week one. Are we ready to live in a world where they go 2-0, and where they can go win a road game in week two? against the Bears, Jeff? What do you think about Bears and uh, Bengals this week? Yeah, you know, I got to tell you, I was surprised uh, at this total, where it is. I I think it's a little too low. I mean, as you said, the Bengals' offense is legit. Uh, You know, I think a lot of people were concerned about that offensive line, but look, we have to remember, I mean, they've made some pretty good decisions. I mean, it took Jonah Williams. um, You know, they got a good uh, uh, kind of veteran in Riley Reef and and Suofilo. This is a pretty good offensive line, and if they get time, they're going to score points. I'm not ready to believe in them defensively. At the end of the day, the Vikings still found a way to get into the mid-20s. Probably should have won the game if not for a fumble. Um, you know, I, I feel like the, the Bears will move the ball. The Bears' secondary all of a sudden sucks, Clip. Uh, I, I kind of like the over in this game, and it looks like people agree this is 44 and a half, not 45. So, yeah, yeah I, I, Bengals surely can win. It's not easy to go on the road, and I don't want to do it here, but I think we see some points. I think there's like 27-24. Bouncing around with the big man. I uh, have not talked Raiders-Steelers. Steelers are a six-point favorite. Haven't talked Rams-Colts. Interesting game there in Indy with the Rams, a three-and-a-half-point favorite. They looked really good 
uh, on Sunday night. Uh, the Vikings play the Cardinals. Jeff, anything, uh, and of course you got Chiefs-Ravens Sunday night. Anything that uh, we missed that you really like for uh, this weekend? Yeah, two two games that I have my eye on. Uh, you mentioned the first one, the Steelers and Raiders. Um, this is a rough spot for the Raiders. Coming off that emotional win, not once but twice at home, the way they won. Monday night, short week coming back. Got to go across the country. I'm going to say right now, Clip, this team has major issues. Josh Jacobs, turf toe problem continues to be an issue. Henry Ruggs, probably not going to play. Their offensive line was already coming into the season with three new guys. Not going to have Denzel Good. Richie Incognito may not play. Darren Waller is not going to get open like he did against the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> I hope he's hooked up on oxygen all week, Jeff. I don't remember a guy getting that many targets in a game. It's crazy. I think the Raiders uh, are going to have some trouble this week. I think the Steelers at five and a half looks pretty good. I also played this one already. Uh, that's Arizona uh, and the Minnesota Vikings over 50 and a half. Cardinals are going to be the fat, one of the fastest tempo teams in the NFL. I don't think they're going to have any trouble scoring against these Viking corners. Um, I think the Vikings offense opens up a little bit more. I'm not in belief that the Cardinals are good defensively. I think they had a good week on the defensive line yeah. uh, against a Titans team with no chemistry. So I, I think that one's first uh, to 28 win. Love talking NFL with the big man. We talk college football on Tuesdays when he joined us, and we'll talk more college football Saturday as uh, we'll have a segment with the BMOC on the Bud Light pregame tailgate. Big man, uh, I'll talk to you off the air about it, but while you're here, I'm thinking uh, is 3 o'clock a good time so we can kind of preview the 3.30s and talk about the night games on Saturday? That would that would be fine. Whenever you want, Clip, I, I roll out the red carpet for Pirate Radio and <laughs> all of you, uh, you folks. Uh, hey, by the way, uh, I want to give you some credit, Clip. I, I didn't mention this to you last week, but if I can for just a second, that first game, it seemed like you were on the air for like 12 hours that day. Uh, that was pretty impressive. I saw you... You were literally at like one in the morning, still doing that call-in show with that other guy Weaver, I think his name is. Yeah, you you guys are are troopers, man. Well, last week, Jeff, we went even longer. We we just weren't up as late, but we did our four-hour pregame starting at eight a.m. Game ends and our post-game goes over three hours because people uh, couldn't stop calling talking about how upset they were. ECU lost, so it's a long day, but it's uh, it's a lot of fun, Jeff. We love it, man. I appreciate it. I'll tell you now, if that was what was going on down there with that coaching staff, and they just can't find ways to win, if that were going on in Philadelphia, <laughs> um, people would be banging on the doors of Philadelphia Eagles front offices, demanding that something change. Uh, it has been rough to watch that ECU program, I, and I know, you know, I don't want to say anymore, but it's ugly. Can they just win a game for one? We hope it gets better. I don't know if it will at Marshall. They look pretty good, Jeff. It's so not going. Yeah, we'll talk about it Saturday with you, big man. You go to patreon.com slash BMOC as Jeff is dropping videos. And uh, once again, off to a great start to this football season, Jeff. So keep up the great work, man. Thank you, Clip. Talk to you Saturday. Appreciate it. There is the big man on campus, Jeff Nadeau. He'll join us coming up around 3 o'clock on Saturday on the Bud Light pregame tailgate to talk college football. We'll take a timeout. Come back. Rick Smith, former ECU defensive coordinator, will join us. And from a defensive perspective, he's got a lot of good things to say about East Carolina and their opponent, South Carolina. From an offensive perspective, man, we'll get his take on what went down for the Pirates on Saturday against South Carolina and what's coming up against Marshall. We'll take a look at the herd as well. Coach Smith will give us the X's and O's when we return after this. 
You're listening to Hour 3 of Pirate Radio Live. This hour is brought to you by Carolina Hardscapes. Making memories with your family and friends is what life is all about. If you have a dream of having a backyard patio fireplace, pool walkways, fire pits, or more, then Carolina Hardscapes is the place to call. Get started on your dreams today at Carolina Hardscapes on Fire Tower Road, across from Bostick Sug Furniture. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Making memories with your family and friends is what life is all about. And if you have a dream of having a backyard patio fireplace, a pool walkway, a fire pit, or more, then Carolina Hardscapes is the place to call at 364-1201. Or you can stop by the Carolina Hardscapes Outdoor Showroom on Fire Tower Road, right across from Bostick Sug Furniture. Get started on your dreams today at Carolina Hardscapes. Now let's head back in to Pirate Radio Live. Here's Clip Brock. Back with you on Pirate Radio Live here on a Thursday, Hour 3. We'll make you a winner this hour. And we'll continue on our Bud Light ECU report as Coach Rick Smith joins us inside the Pirate Radio studios. Coach, uh, good to see you again. Always good to be here. One day we'll get to talk about a win. It's going to be a lot of fun. Hey, man, I thought we... First thing you said when you walked in today, we should have won that game. We should have. Had a lot of opportunities and just couldn't get it done. Let's start with the positive, Coach, and you have a uh, critical eye when you look at defenses play. ECU, a, a big jump from week one to week two defensively. Now they played a, a lesser offense and a lesser yeah. QB, but uh, still a good performance by the Pirates defense on Saturday. Well, you know, I know every year I would set I would set goals for the defense. Okay, this year, you know, at the end of the year, we, we want to average giving up no more than this many points. And you would think if you hold a team to 17 points, you'd win this day and time. Uh, you know, I, I, I saw some positives on the defense. Uh, I saw a lot of gang tackling. Uh, wasn't, what was there? Maybe two big plays. Uh, but we were much better limiting the big plays. I thought we played the run better. Yeah. Which. Hey, look, this is a team. They had a 1,300-yard rusher last year. And to hold them to just over 106 yards, yeah. that, that's a major plus. You mentioned tackling, Coach. Shirley, I want to ask uh, Coach Smith something off this, but Blake Harold 9, was asked about the tackling. That was an issue week one. It got better week two. Blake Harold talked about uh, if he was pleased with the tackling in week two. Cut uh, number nine. Oh, okay. Shirley's got to pull it up real quick. Um, well, I'll go ahead and get your thoughts on it. Did you see improvement in the tackling yeah. department? Because that was a concern after week one uh, yeah. with App State. I don't believe you can – I don't believe you can tackle well in a game if you don't ever tackle live at, live at practice. I mean, and that was kind of what got Scotty Montgomery. Yep, we uh, we talked about that a time <laughs> or two during that there. All right, Shirley, you got it ready? All right, cut nine, Blake Harrell, tackling. I did. I did. You know, about 55 of the 65 snaps, I thought we did a really good job of it. There, there's a few snaps in there that uh, we got to keep, keep cleaning up. Um, but I thought we did a much better job just – you know, getting downhill at the second and third level and, and getting where we're supposed to be there. So I'm, I'm sure, you know, some people say they'll take advantage of that. And the answer to that is, hey, we got to get down the hill and stop the run first and see our keys and, and do a good job with it. Pirates playing aggressive, tackling, forcing turnovers. Marshall, despite their 2-0 and record coach, have put the ball on the ground a lot and also thrown a lot of interceptions. 
and uh, have been kind of turnover prone. You just haven't seen it in the scores yet. Maybe that could be a factor this Saturday. Well, you know, the who have they played? Uh, they've played Navy, which Navy they, really, really, they were struggling last year. I don't think they won two games. And then they played North Carolina Central, which was, was no competition there for them. Uh, they really, in my opinion, they hadn't really played anybody. Uh, but I will say this, it's always tough to go to Marshall and win. I was looking at something on the uh, on them today. Uh, their winning percentage at home, I think over the last 10 years, is like 85% of the time they win at home. And, you know, I've been there a few oh, yeah. times in my career, and uh, I think I've probably coached up in that stadium five or six times, and I can't remember winning but once. Well, in this recent history of the series, ECU would get them here and lose there. That was kind of yeah, the trend. Yeah. Even when we had really good teams, you would go up there and it'd be tough. And, it, and it's really not that tough of a trip. I mean, but it's just a tough place to play. They're very loud and kind of it's just a tough place to play one thing i want to ask you about the tackling and east carolina stripping at the ball trying to force turnovers did it change throughout your career coach where it went from just tackle the guy to not only tackle the guy strip the ball out punch the ball out it seems like there's an added emphasis to that over the last 10 15 maybe 20 years did that change your teaching of how to tackle, how to get the ball out, or was no, it similar throughout? It, it's been similar, you know, throughout. We always tried to teach, you know, like if you're if you're coming up behind the kid, you know, to try to wrap with one arm and punch with the other, or club down and grab around. Of course, anytime you're tackling from front, you always want to put your chin on the ball, you know, and try to knock it out with your headgear. Uh, you know, that's dangerous if. He the hits, crown, yeah. You know, you got to, you know, bow your neck and get your eyes up. But, uh, you know, we were – I know we were at two – when I was at Tulane, uh, that, those three years, the first year we led the nation in interceptions was 27. And that's always been one of my strong points as a D coordinator was always talking about turnovers. And the way I approached it was normal game – normal game your, your offense is going to get 12 opportunities you're going your team the other team's going to get 12 well if you get three turnovers you just limited them to nine and you just gave your team 15 so if you got 15 opportunities and they got nine yard win the weird thing about this game you went over the stats it's a mirror image of each other and east carolina won two very crucial categories uh turnovers and penalties and yeah. won penalties by quite a lot, but still lost the game, Coach. Usually if you win those, you're, you're going to win a lot of games. I was I was shocked that we only had three penalties when I, you know, you know, you watch the game. Yeah. But they had eight penalties and we had three, which, yeah. Which is another reason you say we should have won that game. It yeah. felt like opportunities were there. Now, one stat category we didn't win was, was passing yards. And Holden Naylor's really struggling, Coach, with – you know 70 and passing yards in the yeah. 70s that's just not getting it done i mean again you have a critical eye on defense any any thoughts on the pirates offense and how we can get that thing rolling right now well you just can't 12 three and outs that was the stat i, I hadn't even looked at that on the ub statue you brought that one up to me i mean that's only 36 plays and 
you figure that that, that might be, be 12 passes. And you said possessions were pretty even, right, for yeah. both teams? Yeah, they were both like it? 15 or 16. Uh, both apiece. But the three and – I mean, that – how many plays does that add to their total when you go three and out like that? Yeah. Get the defense right back on the field who's playing a pretty darn good game. So. I was kind of shocked when I saw that stat. You yeah. know, I didn't realize that we were that – I hate you know, we were that bad on offense. And you got to play all four quarters, Coach, but – uh, some of those are coming when you're up like seven nothing, fourteen nothing, and you can really extend that lead and not end the game. But South Carolina's offense—if you get up three, four scores—they're not coming back. They had a chance to really uh, put them away in the first half and, and just didn't do it. Yeah, that's true. We just—you know—we just didn't play well, and. I think when the game was over, I told my wife, I said, South Carolina will not win a game in the SEC. I had them beating Vanderbilt after seeing Vanderbilt beat Colorado State the <laughs> other night. I changed my tune. I don't know if South Carolina will. You know what? The, uh, I don't know how much you look at the spreads, Coach. South Carolina's at Georgia this week. Yeah. You know what the spread of that game is? No. 31. 31. Ooh. With a total in the 40s, meaning they think South Carolina at best is going to score a touchdown. Yeah, at best, forty to seven, pretty much. So exactly, <laughs> yeah. that's kind of what they're thinking, and uh, yeah, that's not a good football team right now. Good credit to Shane Beamer, and he was excited after the game. His team fall hard just like we did, but offensively, uh, I don't know, Coach. They set football back about forty years offensively last Saturday. Yeah, you know, I, you know, and I love East Carolina, and I love our coaches, and I, I, I just don't know what to say about it. Oh, yeah, I mean. Uh, South Carolina may not win a game in the SEC. I think that'd be a safe bet right now. You know, honestly, I mean, we've played two not very good football teams. I think they've played two pretty good defense. I think App State's a good team. I think they are a good team. Um, I don't think South Carolina is, and I think Marshall's better than South Carolina, especially offensively. Yeah, I don't know about defensively, but offensively they're going to put up uh, a lot more points i think than 20 well marshall's just a tough place to play out I, I think I've, I've i think i've been there five times and it's just a tough place to play kevin monroe color analyst uh, on the pirates img sports network brought up a good point tuesday coach he said that he was happy with the defensive performance but it's a lot easier to play defense like that when you know they don't have a quarterback and they're going to run the ball. Yeah. He said, "Let's let's hold our praises until East Carolina sees Marshall who is not one dimensional." And and how big of a challenge is that coach going into you had you just had a game you said we're we're stopping the run because they can't throw. Now you're going into a game saying we're going to stop the run, but they can throw the football. How, how big of a challenge is that for Blake Harrell this week? Well, it's, it you know, like I always told my guys, I said it's a simple game guys let's don't make it complicated it's either a run or it's a pass pass. it's a run or a pass now the team that can figure that out the fastest usually wins uh but to win we're gonna have to stop the run and you gotta eliminate big plays how many big plays did they have last week i know they had two passes for over 40 yards uh you know make them earn it yeah Every time they run the football, you want it to be less than 3.3 yards. Shirley, uh, do you got Blake Harrell, too? Uh, because it kind of goes back to what Coach Smith is saying. He said uh, 
He was asked, does the game plan change or is it still stop the run first? Here's what Blake Harrell said. It, it doesn't. I mean, at the end of the day, we want to, you know, stop the run. Uh, if you don't ever stop the run, then you're on your heels all the time. And that's last week, that's week one, week two, week three, all, every week this season. It'll be the same. And then you get them in second long, third and long, and give yourself a chance, and that's winning first down, uh, whatever that may be. Now, these guys, may, they may throw it on first down, so you won't, still want to win that. But uh, we got to be run sound first. You know, you may put a few calls in there where, hey, you, you want to cover up some guys and double some guys up, do some things there. But you still got to make sure you get downhill, trigger against the run, and, and that's got to be our number one emphasis, whether it's um, Marshall or whoever may be playing. All right, Coach, until the end of time, no matter how high-powered these passing offenses get, it's still the same thing. It's stopping the run, right? Well, so far, you know, Navy has uh, – they've ran the ball 70 times this season. Navy or Marshall? Who are you talking about? Not Marshall. Marshall. I'm sorry. Yeah. Dang, I need to go back home. <laughs> they've ran the ball 70 times for 278 yards. That's 3.9 yards a crack. Which isn't great. But no, it's, it's not good. Great. It's, yeah, and they've not. They haven't played. Haven't played a great football team. I mean, yeah. Navy hadn't won a game, and North Carolina Central, Central, I don't think's won a game. Uh, I'm kind of basing Marshall off what they were last year, which they started seven and zero. Coach, they were top fifteen at one point, yeah. and then lost their last three, and and got rid of Doc Holliday and and brought in Charles Huff. Uh, because it's hard to kind of know what they are this year due to the competition they've played yeah. so far. I just, you know, he's going to come in. Well, we're going to go up there, and like it's like any time you go. I mean, you're going to have to when you go to Marshall, you better stop the run. And he is a running backs coach. Yes, and I don't know. Did you and see their yeah. uh, their box score last week? They had six different guys run the ball other than the quarterback, and nobody had more than eight carries. It was like eight, seven, eight, six, five. So they're they're doing they're using a lot of different guys back yeah. there to run the ball. I didn't know that. I didn't notice that uh, when I, you know, broke them down. So I don't know. I, they might have a main guy. They have a pass catcher out of the backfield. I know in Ali, but it looks like they're going to send a lot of different guys in there. Now, his talent level is a little bit different than he had at Alabama. All his old running backs are in the NFL right yeah. now. It's a, it's a, it's a talent drop-off, but we're still kind of figuring out what his goal is offensively, and it's an easy assumption being a running backs coach that, that he wants to run the football. Yeah. So, All right, let's let's uh, let's get a break in. We'll come back. We'll have more. We'll hear more from Mike Houston, Donnie Kirkpatrick, Blake Harrell. We'll get Rick Smith's thoughts on uh, what kind of score he's looking at for this week. High-scoring game. Will it be a low-scoring game? We'll talk about that and more with the coach when we return on Pirate Radio Live here on a Thursday. Back with you after this. You're listening to Hour 3 of Pirate Radio Live. This hour is brought to you by Carolina Hardscapes. Making memories with your family and friends is what life is all about. If you have a dream of having a backyard patio fireplace, pool walkways, fire pits, or more, then Carolina Hardscapes is the place to call. Get started on your dreams today at Carolina Hardscapes on Fire Tower Road, across from Bostick Sun Furniture. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Are you someone who has been waiting before trying CBD. ENS Hemp is the area's leader in CBD and they want to educate you on how their products work. 
Get relief from stress, anxiety, fatigue, pain, and PTSD today at ENS Hemp on Fire Tower Road near Sam Jones Barbecue, or you can go online at eshempcompany.com. Now let's head back in to Pirate Radio Live. Here's your host, Clip Brock. All right, back with you on Pirate Radio Live. I got an idea. It's no fun to talk about these games. Let's hear some Rick Smith stories. <laughs> Get things cranked up a little bit. Uh, we got, uh, we'll make you a winner coming up. Open up the Pirate Radio booty bag. First, before uh, the story time, Coach, I was curious. So, we're two weeks into the season, and we already got a head coach fired. Clay Helton fired at USC, and they're saying, you know, who's next there? Uh, and look, I think Urban Meyer is probably going to stick around at Jacksonville. I don't know for how long, but he's made the the, uh, the the journey from college to the NFL. And we've seen guys go back and forth. Pete Carroll has done it. He's had a long tenure in the NFL now. So you coached in NFL Europe. Yeah. But you've spent the rest of your career in college, correct? Yes. Yes. Is there, why is that? Did you prefer college to pro? And if so, why? Well, you know, I, I, they had that uh, NFL Europe League, which was like Triple A baseball, but it's football. Uh, they had ten teams over in Germany, and uh, they were just trying to develop players. Plus, they were trying to get an interest in football in Europe. Uh-huh. Uh, so the players were trying to get some stuff on tape to save to kind of keep their pro yeah, career going. Yeah. The foot, NFL was trying to get some fans interested around the, like basketball is done. Yeah. I guess. Like we had, like we went to Tampa for we were in Tampa for like five weeks. I mentioned to you, and the first week was just uh, watching kids run around. It was like a combine, uh-huh. and then we had a, a draft just like the NFL has. We drafted kids that we'd seen work out each team draft. You know, had a draft day, and then uh, we practiced each team. There was 10 NFL teams, and each one of us had a different place in Tampa, different high school where we practiced for a month, and then we all went to Europe. We went, you know, my team went to Germany. We were Berlin Thunder. We practiced two weeks there for our first game. We played at Olympic Stadium, which was pretty neat. Yeah, we averaged about 35,000 a game. Ah, that's pretty good. Yeah, it was pretty good. For American football. <clears throat> we had the best attendance of any other team. Uh, I remember we went to Scotland there. I wasn't 15 people. <laughs> <laughs> how did uh, how was role Rick Smith? How did you uh, fit in with the Germans there? How'd you like it? Well, uh, like uh, I was, a, you know, I'm a jogger, mm-hmm. and uh, like in Germany, they had like they're all million sidewalks. Every street has sidewalks, and like they're they're uh, pavers. And there's red pavers and there's white pavers, and the joggers are supposed to be oh, okay. on one you got particular, your own lane. Pa- you know. Okay. But I, they must have knew I was an American because they would always see me coming and they would get in my way and try to bump me. <laughs> they were going after you. And, you know, I always ran with Steve Logan because Steve Logan was our quarterback coach. Oh, okay. Great story with Steve, you know, because Steve and I'd be running side by side and he'd say, the next such and such that gets in my way i'm running over the guy you know and steve and he's not real you know he's tall but thin and sure enough next guy that got in his way he bumped him pretty good kept on going <laughs> and then i said oh we can outrun him you guys are uh, causing international incidents over there coach how about that yeah. steve logan i bet you got some good steve logan stories 
Yeah, Steve's special guy. Did y'all have a lot of wine over there? Any a big wine guy? Well, first week, first week we're uh, in Germany. I'm in my room. Of course, you don't have air conditioning. It's real cool. Y'all had my window open, and I'm sitting around in my underwear and a t-shirt. Somebody banging on my door, and uh, hadn't had much time to, to to really meet the other coaches on offense or anything. And it was Steve Logan in a t-shirt and his underwear with a bottle of wine. <laughs> he said, "Boy, it's time we got to know each other. We both East Carolina guys." There you go. So you know, we had a few wines that night. And uh, what year is this, Coach? Do you? Oh, it was, uh, golly. So, Logan was done here in the early 2000s. You were here in the mid-2000s. Yeah. So, was it after that? I, I can't remember. I got to look at Rick Smith's Wikipedia page to find out. Yeah. He was at so many places. But it was uh, it, it was great. Yeah, Steve Logan's a great human being. I know some people might not like him. But I'll tell you one thing about Steve. He doesn't hold anything in. <laughs> <laughs> kind of similar to you right well he's similar. worse than i am now. <laughs> he'll tell you right to your face what he thinks hey, okay this is right before you got to ecu 2004 berlin thunder yeah and then you were brought on with skip and greg right. hudson and the, right. okay so that was pretty close uh that was a couple years after steve logan was fired from east carolina well actually i was i was in germany uh coaching getting ready for my second year in berlin and and greg hudson called me there you go and said uh i told skip that i wasn't coming to east carolina unless he hired rick smith and skip said who in the hell is rick smith because <laughs> <laughs> skip didn't know who i was and uh greg said just remember that i'm not coming if he doesn't come where so, did you coach with uh coach hud at previously cincinnati Oh, okay all right i see there yep so you were the defense that's right you were the dc there he was what linebackers or i was hired there and when uh coach Minner hired me i said now i'm hiring if i take the job i get to hire my defensive staff he said sure no problem well he hires me i got no coaches uh and i get there and in walks greg hudson and i didn't know who greg was oh <laughs> he said uh, i'm greg hudson i'm the running back coach here i don't want to coach running backs anymore i want to coach linebackers and i said well let's talk so we talked and i found you know he played linebacker at uh ohio state and we got to talking that night we went and uh down to the local pub and had a few sounds like that's how you get to know your coaches coach i see a theme here so we uh he was my running back coach and then i had an old friend call me about uh my second my corners coach he's now the head coach of the pittsburgh steelers (laughs) mike tomlin mike tomlin the second longest tenured coach in the nfl i believe well him sean payton and belichick are the longest in the nfl and Mike had never coached the secondary. He was a wide receiver at William and Mary, so he about drove me crazy. I spent, I spent like fourteen or fifteen straight nights talking football with him after you know from five to midnight. Uh, but uh, that was a great staff. After every game, we'd go to Greg's house, and you know it was. Uh, and uh, Keith Willis was my defensive line coach, and Keith was young. I mean, I'm in my 50s then. Greg was 
like 30 tomlin was 26 and keith was like 29 Mm -hmm. i mean i was like their dad (laughs) (laughs) uh that was that was that staff was a lot of fun the old coaching fraternity talking to rick smith here in the pirate radio studios uh i got what coach smith told me i asked him did he go to the game on saturday and you said uh you watched it at home right the uh, previous game but you did have a story about last time you were at Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. I, I want to hear that if you don't mind telling the audience. I don't mind telling. Okay, we'll get to that. Stick around for that. But right now, Shirley Rhodes, let's make somebody a winner. Booty, 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 booty everywhere. Booty, 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 booty everywhere. All right, 317-71250 is the number. Shirley, what do you want to give away on this Thursday? She's trying to figure that out right now. I am trying to figure that out right now. want to do that one okay <laughs> we sorry we were having a meeting uh a 25 dollars gift card to ens hemp company oh, uh-oh sorry hey, turn me off uh, sorry i was trying to tell you what we've given away this week uh no i knew what we had given away but i wanted to make sure i was counting and i was like wait chandler do i have enough 25 dollars okay. gift card to ens hemp company ENS hemp company what call are we looking for i'm gonna go with Let's get let's do caller number eight. Caller eight, 317-1250. You'll be a winner. We got more stories from Coach Smith. Also, uh, we'll see if he'll give us a score for ECU Marshall coming up this Saturday. That and more on the way when we roll on after this. You're listening to Hour 3 of Pirate Radio Live. This hour is brought to you by Carolina Hardscapes. Making memories with your family and friends is what life is all about. If you have a dream of having a backyard patio fireplace, pool walkways, fire pits, or more, then Carolina Hardscapes is the place to call. Get started on your dreams today at Carolina Hardscapes on Fire Tower Road, across from Bostick Sun Furniture. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Save lives, be a hero, and make $1,000 your very first month donating plasma at Griffles Biomat USA is the easiest way to make extra money. Start now at Biomat USA on 505 South Memorial Drive. Make up to $1,000 in a month and save lives now at Griffles Biomat USA. A better donor experience and better pay. And congratulations to May Hodges of Washington. Picked up a $25 gift card to ENS Hemp Company. Are you a person that has been waiting before trying CBD? Well, ENS Hemp is the area's leader in CBD and they want to educate you on how their products work. Get relief from stress, anxiety, fatigue, pain, and PTSD today at ENS Hemp on Fire Tower Road near Sam Jones Barbecue or online at eshempcompany.com. Now let's head back in to PRL. Here's Cliff Brock. Alrighty, back with you here. Hour 3 of Pirate Radio Live. Coach Rick Smith alongside Coach... Uh, kind of a random question here for you. I'm looking over your career. You were at Kentucky uh from 90 to 96 so you were around the heyday of spurrier tossing it around and running up scores and doing that did you have uh, any relationship with coach steve spurrier at all or any run-ins with him yeah i knew steve pretty you know fairly well because you know he was the head coach at the university of florida and i recruited florida and I ran into him a lot of times, you know, in the spring recruiting like him. He'd be going into a school with one of his coaches, and I'd be there, you know, by myself. 
Uh, what do you say, Rick? You ain't gonna get this guy, Rick. What do you yeah. talk some junk to you? But or? he was always, you know, he was always nice. Very, you know, I like Steve. Uh, uh, Speaking yeah. of guys that went to the NFL, I can tell you as a Washington fan, he did not do well there. He's much no. more of a college coach uh, yes. than a pro coach. Yes. But uh, he was, man, I was, that was when I was coming up watching football. His offenses were fun to watch because they were pretty unique for the time, the way they would fun and gun throw You know, around. I mean, he, he played at the University of Florida. And now, did he win a Heisman there? Did I, he was, I know he was a good quarterback there. Well, he didn't. He didn't start till his senior year. Okay. Yeah, of course. Back then, that's kind of the way it was yeah. with all the quarterbacks. But uh, yeah, he was a Heisman winner his senior year. Coach, uh, I don't know how much NFL you watch. I want you to tune in if you remember. And on Monday, they're doing a new thing on ESPN two, where they have the game on, but it's Peyton Manning and Eli Manning, basically sitting on a couch talking about what they see, what they should do. I found it fascinating as a a fan the way they were breaking it down i want you to check that out uh yeah. next monday if you remember i think you'd enjoy that what night monday uh, it's night. monday night football okay the regular games on espn but on espn two they have peyton and eli yeah. and i've guests. watched their show before but yeah not that i guess maybe that's something else i think you would uh enjoy that it was a, a pretty big hit and uh, i was really fascinating to see what those guys uh they just see so many things i don't see like you do when you watch football yeah. but i found it pretty fascinating all right coach i asked you if you went to the game last saturday you said no but uh you told me about the last time you went to a game and well, uh and what happened well last year you know we went to a game and uh, it was an afternoon game and i guess we were on about the 30 40 yard line and there was a guy sitting behind us you know and he was drunk and he was just all over the coaching staff and just you know cursing and and I turned around and I said uh, something like, you know, why'd you buy a ticket? You know, and he looked at me like, well, like, who in the blank are you? And I said, well, I'm a fan trying to enjoy the game. And I'm, are you an ECU fan? You're sitting on the ECU side. And he said, yeah, I'm a big ECU fan. I said, well, you don't sound like it. <laughs> and he looked at me kind of funny. And I said, and if what'd you say <laughs> she said uh if he didn't stop you know i said if you don't shut your mouth i'm gonna shut it for you yeah. rick smith <laughs> threatening folks at pirate games and what'd he do coach he left <laughs> he got the hell out of there you know he, he didn't want no part of that well he'd probably kill me <laughs> uh i just found that itch is that because you it's got to be because you coach for so long and you just yeah you know some fans they got all the answers you i know, know. hey you, know, you were on the fifth quarter with us you but, know how that is but at the same time, I always try to realize that, hey, the guy paid his money. He's yeah. sitting in the stands. He's got a right to, you know. But you don't have to get personal. Yeah. You know, with There's the a line. And this guy was getting pretty personal with uh, with who the head coach was. Yeah. And, like, he was ripping the offensive coordinator who I knew. You know, and I'm sitting there thinking, I said, who is this dang guy? You know? <laughs> and he just went on and on, and it got worse as the game went on. And so finally I just, you know, I, Barbara was <laughs> crossing her fingers. <laughs> you know? But, uh, no, he was, you know, once I confronted him, he was real nice for about five minutes, and he left. He and just he got, got out of there. there. Maybe he realized he was going a little too far. I think, I think that it wasn't that he was scared of me or anything. I uh. think he just realized that, 
it wasn't just me well oh yeah that was the other part of the story when he walked off you said he got a big ovation from the crowd the other people that didn't say anything to him yeah you know they were glad he left too and one guy actually said amen when he when the guy left he said amen i'm glad you're leaving you know something like that yeah so uh, he was not the most popular fan that day uh yeah do you find it is it tough for you to you probably don't even do you enjoy watching a game or are you always like critical on it like that guy should have done this and this guy you know what i'm saying well i enjoy watching the games i really do and i uh uh, you know sometimes i'll take notes just so i can remember why did they lose the game yeah but uh but overall you still enjoy watching a football game and i have my favorite teams you know i try to i see every east carolina game well i was gonna Uh, say looking at your your resume here obviously alabama's the best team you were a part of uh but kentucky stoops has got a heck of a program right now cincinnati is top 10 they got a big game this week by the way coach at indiana it's a big game for them my grandson is a football manager at the university of kentucky okay so you're keeping Uh, an eye on them yeah he uh he graduated from south central with a 4.7 i guess gpa he's on an academic no one up that high he's on what is it four point something yeah 4.2 4.5 that's awesome but he's at kentucky on a on a uh, academic scholarship and he wanted to be a football manager and the football equipment guy tom kalinowski was there when i was there and so he's uh he's there and he's really enjoying it does he get to travel yeah gets to do all see that. that's that i mean when i was a kid growing up i'd watch all these games and i'd be like i want to go to nebraska to school i want to go i would just look at the yeah. big football stadiums that is a cool gig to get a, a, a education like that and get to go to these games be yeah. a part of the team yeah. so to speak that's pretty awesome and they're uh they're playing good football right now so and uh let's see south florida well they're in the dumps coach you uh, ecu's better than south florida so yeah. you got that uh louisiana tech how about that game uh skip uh, should have had that win against yeah. mississippi state that one got away uh you were at baylor georgia tech so a lot of stops for old coach smith tulane they got a big one against old miss this week that'll be a good game yeah we went to tulane i went there uh with tommy bowden i was the last coach hired <clears throat> and uh oh yeah was that we talked about this was that sean king or patrick ramsey or sean both? king king yeah undefeated yeah and when i when i went down for the interview i didn't know i knew tommy we had worked together at uh, kentucky he was the running back coach my first year there of course i stayed for about eight years at kentucky and tommy left after one year and of course i'd, I'd ran into him for years you know recruiting plus i knew his daddy real well and but uh I went down for the interview and i just carried a few clothes you know because i was just gonna be there like one or two nights and uh i got there for the interview and you know i knew one other coach on the staff and i interviewed for the defensive coordinator job secondary job and you know i got there interviewed and did all that kind of stuff spent the night and the next morning you know i got up and kind of uh I went over and I told Tommy, I said, well, I don't have uh, my flight arrangements and all to get back. He said, you're not going back. I said, what do you mean? He said, you got the job. 
I said, hell, nobody told me. He said, well, he said, you didn't come down here to interview for the job. You had the job. You came down here to live here. You just didn't and, know it. And I said, well, I didn't know that. And so wow. uh, I called my wife, and she put everything on a box and shipped it to me. Yeah. How uh, I'm curious, too, like your living arrangements. So you have these stops, Coach. Do you... What do you do? Do you rent? Do you buy? Well, how, how many houses have you had during your coaching career? Uh, about 13. <laughs> Quite a few, yeah. You know. Uh, now, at Tulane, we, uh, I was there. It was pretty neat. Sandy Barber was the athletic director, and she owned a house. And it was like a three- or four-bedroom house. And she let all of us stay there free until we could move our oh, family yeah. in. Because she, she was no longer living in the house. She had rented it, but it was vacant when we got there. And, uh, you know, we had a great time. You know, there was like five of us. Each one of us had our own bedroom. And I think one of the, the youngest coach, we made him sleep on the couch downstairs. <laughs> but uh, like I a, didn't turn it into a frat house. I was going to say, it's like an old frat house, it sounds like. Well, Ron West was our offensive line coach, and Ron's had a lot of stops. But, uh, oh, Ron, every night it was funny. Like, we'd all – like, Steve Davis was our linebacker coach. Steve was a great cook. He, he'd always cook our our evening meal. But but Ron, Ron West would never eat with us, you know. But we'd get through eating, and we'd wash the dishes and all. I was kind of the dishwasher. We'd be sitting around the living room there watching TV, and Ron would come in, and it was the same thing every night. He came in with his six pack, six pack of Budweiser. You know, I mean, every night he had him a six pack of Budweiser. And I guess he'd already ate somewhere. But, uh, you know, those are the kind of things that you really miss when yeah. you get out of coaching. Is you know, Changing jobs was, was tough, but you always met new people, you know, and like coaches staying together wherever you're at. You know, hell, I stayed here for three months down at the. It's the Holiday Inn now. Oh, before you got a place in yeah, Greenville? before I got a place here. And uh, so New Orleans, uh, Atlanta, Waco, uh, I guess, is, you know, Cincinnati, is New Orleans maybe the, the most fun stop you had? It was a lot of fun, and it was uh, – you got time for another story? Yep, which I always do, Coach. Well, I'm the last uh, – I was the last one hired in New Orleans, at, and I was – I just didn't want to go to New Orleans. You know, I just, that wasn't my deal. Right, okay. And the coaches noticed how down I was about it. And uh, I got a phone call. Somebody called Coach Curry, Bill Curry, because I'd worked for Bill 10 years. And Coach Curry got me on the phone. He said, I hear you're really down and out about this thing. I said, Coach, I don't want to live in New Orleans. There ain't nothing down there for me. He said, you got the wrong attitude. You ain't going to be there forever. He said, just, your barber's going to be with you. When y'all get moved, you just you just be thinking about you're on vacation in New Orleans, and you need to do something every weekend. <laughs> you know? And I got to think, I said, Coach, you're right. And Barbara and I had a great two years down there. Treat it like a two-year vacation? Two-year vacation. That's a vacation. good way to look at it, I guess. Uh, John Moody says... Do you remember who the marquee win was against when you were at Tulane? I'm looking at the schedule right now. I don't – that 98 season, <clears throat> I don't really see a real marquee win. Well, it was it, – it was uh, we were late 
it was late in the year, and if we won it, we were undefeated, and it was Louisiana Tech. That, and, well, you put – good grief, Coach. Y'all put 72, 63, 49. Y'all didn't have to play too much defense. Uh-huh. Sean King was our quarterback. <laughs> Rich Rodriguez was our offensive coordinator. And, of course, yeah, we were talking about him earlier uh, when he was at West Virginia. But y'all, it, it y'all helped. Got up to number but, 10 in the nation, Coach. But it helps when you get 42 turnovers. There you go. There's the secret sauce right there. Well, you think about it. Like, and I tried to always told my kids, I said, normal football game, the offense gets nine, I meant uh, 12 series. We average three turnovers a game. That means they get 15, and the other team only gets nine. How many turnovers did you say you had that year? 42. Man. Led the nation in uh, total turnovers, led the nation in interceptions with 27. You beat Louisville by six. That was the at, only at Louisville. That was the only one score game all year. Yeah, everything else was double digits. That's well, a, the offense didn't play well that game. <laughs> they only put up. Hey, you gave up twenty two. Yeah, great defensive effort. Yeah. They, the offense, uh, good stuff. Coach, uh, we'll take one more time out. We'll come back. We'll get Rick Smith's prediction for ECU and a Marshall coming up this Saturday. More to go on Pirate Radio Live after this. listening to Hour 3 of Pirate Radio Live. This hour is brought to you by Carolina Heartscapes. Making memories with your family and friends is what life is all about. If you have a dream of having a backyard patio fireplace, pool walkways, fire pits, or more, then Carolina Heartscapes is the place to call. Get started on your dreams today at Carolina Heartscapes on Fire Tower Road, across from Bostick Sun Furniture. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. Taking a quick look at your stock market report. The Dow was down 63 points at 34,751. The NASDAQ was ahead 20 at 15,181. And the S&P was down 6 at 4,473. That's your Wells Fargo Advisors Financial Report for a personal look into investing. Call Wells Fargo Advisors today at 756-6900 in Greenville. Wells Fargo Advisors LLC, member SIPC. And take a look at your Buck scoreboard. Padres are leading the Giants uh, 4-0 in the top of the seventh inning. It is the Yankees out to an early 2-0 lead over the Orioles in the second inning. And one football game tonight, Louisiana hosts Ohio. Kickoff is scheduled for 8 o'clock. That's a look at your Buck scoreboard brought to you by the Buccaneer Music Hall. It's your beacon of music in the land of the Pirates in eastern North Carolina. They are open from noon until 2 a.m. with live music every night. And now during football season, they have food trucks during the day. Follow the Buck on Facebook and Instagram for updated schedules. And we'll see you at the Buck. Now let's head back in to PRL. Here's Clip Rock. The Buck. This mic's not on, Charlie. Oh, sorry. Duh, Buck. Thank you, Chandler. Did you think I was just sitting here going, duh, <laughs> for no reason? Um, yes. <laughs> We've got Washington and the Giants coming up tonight right here on Pirate Radio Thursday oh, Night yeah, Football. Oh, yeah, I forgot that. Yeah. I, it's, it's, you can hear that here at 8 o'clock. Too. It's very insignificant, Charlie. It's okay. <laughs> All right, Coach Smith, ECU 0-2 at Marshall 2-0. What is your score for this Saturday, 6 o'clock? Marshall 24-21. Mm. Close game, lower scoring game for what football is today, but you got Marshall winning a close one. Yep. They're good at home. You talked about how tough it is to play there. Yep. 
Pirates need a win, Coach. Needs to be needs to be soon. I really enjoyed your time here today. Thank you. I did too. It was fun. We'll have more story time with Rick Smith uh, (laughs) next week. Sound good? Oh, I won't be here next week. Okay, I'll be in Miami, Florida. All right, little vacation. And I won't be here that next week. All right, I'll be in Key West. Oh, man, take me with you. (laughs) Coach will be sunning and funning. I went to Key West earlier this year, and it was awesome. Yeah, Have fun, Coach. Have fun. Enjoy it. We will uh, see Coach in a few weeks then. How about that? We'll see you fine, folks, Friday, 3 o'clock, for an all-new edition of Pirate Radio Live. Shirley Rhodes, Chandler Honeycutt, Coach Rick Smith. I'm Cliff Brock. So long, everybody. Thanks for listening to Pirate Radio Live, an exclusive presentation of the voice of the Pirate Nation.